Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Attention Hoosiers in Los Angeles. This Wednesday, June 19th, there is going to be a Hoosier hangout and speaker panel at the parlor on Melrose. It is presented by the IU Alumni Association of Los Angeles and the Hollywood Hoosiers. We're going to have two guests there, the music business managers, Adam Harrison from the class of 2000 and Jake Udell from the class of 2011. And this speaker panel is going to be hosted by your very own Hoosier Hysterics Eric Penkowski and myself, Ward Roberts, will be talking to Adam, who manages Maroon 5, along with other artists, and Jake, who is also an established manager in the music business. We're going to be talking to them about the music business in Los Angeles. So if you're interested in that, meeting other Hoosiers living here in L.A. or visiting, they're welcome to come, too. So come out, join us this Wednesday, June 19th, at the parlor on Melrose for the Hoosier Hangout. That's it. And now on with the show. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss a unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Eric. Ward, who are we powered by? We are powered by... Oh, I, I shouldn't say the power. Yeah, by. Yeah, I messed Sorry. that up. Yeah. Hey, Eric, who are we powered by? Beegs. Do you think it would work if I started low and went high? Only one way to find out. We are powered by... Beegs. <laughs> I broke up because you were laughing. I wish people could see your face. <laughs> Can't be pretty. Can't be pretty. Uh, we talked about it on one of the other podcasts. Uh, this is the time of the year that you got to be checking pigs all the time. Pigs is the best. You're, I mean, there's so like w- there's so little time during the year where we're actually watching basketball. Being on pigs is really what makes you an Indiana it's fan. It's true. And now you're getting this time of year. You're getting who are we targeting for 2020, 2020, 2021, and a little bit down the line, but really 2020-21 recruiting. Peaks has all the names. Hey, what about this this Luke kid from Blackford? Oh, but we haven't talked about oh, him at all. My Luke Brown, <laughs> go check out what Brian Snow has to say about Luke Brown. I've heard lately that his passing's pretty good he, when he's getting into sixteen and under competition. I'm going to say this about Luke Brown, and then we'll move on real quickly. 
Luke Brown, I've actually heard this from a direct source, is a great kid. He is a humble, just works his ass off, good basketball player. The hype machine that has been created around Luke Brown by people that are very close to Luke Brown is unfair to Luke Brown. Okay. Because he's probably not good enough to play at the highest levels of Division One basketball. He is good enough to play Division One basketball. But the hype machine is making him like a Damon Bailey figure, and that's not who he is. And it's not fair to him that he can't just enjoy where he's going to end up in college basketball, but going to be competing against this version of him that a hype machine has created. It's not fair. I don't like it. Okay. I just wonder if he feels that way or if he's so in the bubble and he's just having a good time and he's such a good kid. He's like, great, I'll go to Ball State and have a great time. Don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. I hope that is what it is. I hope that's what you it is. You want to talk about a great human being who did great things for our program. We're going to talk to him right now. Let's just uh, let's just get to it. It's that time. It's the time where we speak to a guest that has a great connection to the history of Indiana basketball. And Eric is going to tell you a little bit about this special person before we introduce him. I'm going to run through some accolades first and then tell you why I'm so excited to talk to him. So we are talking to a gentleman today who had 68 games of double-digit scoring at Indiana. That's a lot. 16 games of 20 or more. He is 26th all-time. Think about that. 26th all-time in scoring. Only 25 players in Indiana history have more points than him. He is 10th, number 10 all-time in assists. Most famous assist ever. We are talking to somebody who was there at Indiana for the darkest of times and helped shepherd us into the light. But the reason I am so excited to talk to him is because I believe, and I hope he's okay with me saying this, we'll get his take on it. I believe that this gentleman is one of the most, if not the most, undervalued Indiana University Hoosiers of all time in the basketball program. I don't believe he's ever gotten his just due from Indiana fans. I believe that's our job today to help him get it. And without further ado, please welcome Verdell Jones. How you guys doing? We're good. How are you, sir? Man, I cannot complain. Staying busy and out the way. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing to stay out of the way? How are you keeping busy these days? What's up? Oh, man. So I uh, recently met my partner. Um, He's actually my backcourt teammate in high school. Uh, we we started a foundation here in Champaign, Illinois, um, called the Fort Suey Foundation, um, F-T-S-O-O-Y, and it stands uh, for the sake of our youth. Um, and, and in 1996, <clears throat> excuse me, my dad started uh, a similar version of it. Um, and he believed that basketball could be used as a tool to kind of attract uh, kids. And, you know, once you attract them, you can kind of Mr. Miyagi them in, into doing uh, almost any, anything. Um, and so uh, it lasted for about six years. Um, and during those six years, we had a, a, a youth um, basketball uh, a team and and did a, a, a six-week academy. And out of that, um, you know, he, he taught us leadership skills, community skills, stuff like that. And, and uh, we kind of re, re, revamping it now and trying to bring it back to the kids of our generation. Um, you know, it was – he believed that, uh, you know, you always hear the, the, the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. 
what my pops used to say, if you put salt in his oats and make them thirsty, he'll drink. And so basketball is, <laughs> basketball is kind of salting of those oats in, as far as attracting kids. And once we get them, we try to teach them, you know, just kind of how life works and, and how we can use basketball as a tool instead of uh, using us. And is that taking up all your time right now? Is that a full-time job for you, Verdell? Actually, it's not. It's a, it's a part. It's a, it's, a, it's a part-time job, even though it probably takes up more time than my my main job does. Um, but I mean, it's 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 the most rewarding feeling, you know, giving guys an opportunity that we had. You know, uh, I feel you know my ultimate goal is I want to be I wanted to be now I'm done with basketball. I want to be a pilot, air air, air pilot. Um, but before I I can uh, go down that path, I think it's um, it's an obligation for me and some of the other guys who came out of the program to uh, start this up and give it and give back. So this is located there in the Champaign Urbana area and and serves the the youth of that community, sort of eighteen and under team or what's what's the the makeup of the kids you're working with yeah so right now we have about 25 uh sixth graders um ultimately we want, we want to spread it out but uh we feel you know we were trying to figure out what age you know to work with um so this past season um i helped my dad coach a high school team here urbana high school um you know they they've they've been out and out down and out for a while now and and we we uh, came back and they they won their first regional in about 30, 40 years. Um, so you know it was it was it was fun coaching the high school guys, but they don't always want to listen. You know they, they still they think they know it all, and so they're kind of a little bit past that age of of molding. Um, and so we 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 were just trying to think of what grade would be the best grade, and uh, sixth grade is kind of the the age we 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 we, we agreed upon. Um, that's kind of the age where guy kids are starting to smell themselves a little bit. You know, they starting to hit that little maturity age and and think they know what they're talking about. Um, so we we felt that if we could grab them and help shape them at that age, then before they get to high school, uh, our job could be done already. Can I send my sixth grade son out to you to shape and get him to get him in line because he definitely thinks he knows everything already. <laughs> Man, trust me, they all do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, Verdell, let's take a, a a trip back to when you were in fifth, sixth grade around that time. Okay. When did you find the game of basketball? Um, I found it actually probably around third or second and third grade. Um, you know, I wanted to play. I actually wanted to go play baseball. Um, and then my dad was kind of, you know, he made me, he said I had to choose between basketball or baseball at that time. And I kind of just, you know, all my friends were playing basketball. So I was like, all right, let's do basketball. Um, and then, you know, just over the years, I just really developed a deep love for it. Um, actually my cousin, Sean Livingston, um, we grew up together and, and he really, you know, seeing him, he was ranked, you know, number one in his class from, you know, seventh grade all the way to he graduated high school. Yep. Um, and seeing him and being a witness of his growth and, and all the things that he did, it really, you know, kind of motivated me to want to follow his footsteps. Whatever happened with him? What's, what's, is <laughs> anything going on with him? What's he oh, up to these know, days? He's just playing for a fourth ring in the yeah. finals. Not By the major. way, from my area, I'm from St. Louis. And, and Sean okay. was in the area, so uh, I, he was yeah. a legend. He was a legend. So definitely, what, definitely. Was there the kind of fervor around uh, Champagne uh, for basketball uh, as there was? You know, you would you would come to Bloomington and find out what that fervor is all about. But it, growing up in Illinois, is that a pretty basketball crazy state too? It definitely is. It definitely is. Um, you know, especially in uh, you know in hotbeds like Peoria, Illinois, Chicago. You know. East St. Louis, places like that. Um, Champagne, it's it's crazy. Champagne. I talk to people all the time. I am not even close to the best player to come out of Champagne. I was just the one that kind of 
learn how to use basketball as a tool to help navigate my way out. Uh, but, she, you know, Champagne, it has a lot of talent. It just isn't the culture isn't what it should be like it is in Indiana or Chicago's or St. Louis's. You know what I mean? I, when I went to Indiana, man, you you learn real quick that it, it it's uh, God and basketball in that order. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Well, depending uh, on who you are, it might it, be it, Depending on who you ask. Too, or the exactly. same. <laughs> exactly. It's about 1A and 1B. So, uh, but, man, you know, the basketball here is, you know, it's, it's really – like I said, the people love it, but the culture just isn't quite there yet. Um, so, you know, we're hoping that Fort Sui really helps uh, help shape that and and display a lot of the talent that's here. So as you matriculated through middle school and then into high school, you became a very good basketball player. When did things click for you as a basketball player? Do you remember a year or a moment where you're like, oh, uh, this isn't just me playing around with friends anymore. I'm good at this. This is going to get me to college. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, eighth. I mean, everyone around here knows me for for eighth grade. Uh, I hit a a uh, sixty or seventy foot shot to win the state state eighth grade championship here in Illinois. Um, got to be I was number one on ESPN. Uh, got to go travel to Good Morning America. I was on Good Inside Edition. So that kind of shifted the seriousness um, of well, uh, walk us through that moment well, though. And and I read it was eighty feet, so you should just go eighty with feet. 80 feet. Uh, okay, yeah. that, so that walk us through the moment <laughs> as you remember it. Walk us through that moment. Oh man, it was a heck of a game. Um, we played against Morton uh, Middle School. Um, they were, they they were you know they were beating us pretty good the whole game. We were, we were fighting. Um, we had two seconds left. They they got fouled. Um, tie game. They hit both free throws, so they're up two now. Uh, we have two seconds left. They throw it in. I take a couple dribbles and, he- and heave it up. 80 feet, I guess, is the distance they said. Uh, and, <laughs> That's right. And, and hit not- nothing but net. Um, and and the crowd just went crazy, man. It was. And if you looked at me at that time, you guys thought I was skinny Indiana. I was a <laughs> toothpick in eighth grade. And so for me to even have the strength to get that ball, you know, that far and and for it to go in, it was a blessing within itself, man. And so that kind of changes my focus a little bit. Um, you know, people start giving me a little more notice. Um, and then my dad, you know, he he being being the coach and dad that he was, he was like, you know, that you don't want this one moment to define your basketball career. Um, so that kind of kicked kicked things in overdrive as far as my working out and my my really focusing seriously on the game, and then. This the the real the big switch for me was my, my sophomore year. There was only four sophomores, incoming sophomores, who were invited to the ABCD camp in uh in uh in in, in New Jersey. Um, and me, Brandon Jennings, Tyreek Evans, I think it was Taylor King, or the four. Um, and I went there and saw you know OJ Mayo, Derrick Rose, guys like that, and. And it was, you know, eat or be eaten, you know what I mean? And so um, I came out of there with a whole new profound uh, profound respect and, and just hunger for the game. And that kind of – that was kind of the, the, the transition period for me. I got to ask, first time you ever dunked, when was it? That was my – going into my sophomore year. Uh, we were in Bloomington, Illinois, not Indiana, Bloomington, <laughs> Illinois. Uh, and me and my one of my friends I played AU with, we were just goofing around. And he could, he could already dunk. You know, he was a year older than me. He was super athletic. Um, and he's like, bro, just go up there and just try, like, don't even think about it. Just go up there and try to tear the rim off. And so I wanted to try to tear the rim off the first time it got hung. <laughs> it just fell straight on my back. <laughs> like, uh. But then I kept on going and, and probably about the third or fourth time I started dunking it and, and it kind of, you know, it got easier and easier. And, uh, I know Indiana fans didn't really get to see much of my 
ducking capabilities. Right. Uh, <laughs> we were much um, more a fan of the mid-range game that you Yes, uh, yes, yes. I, I figured out, you know, going down there with those big 6'10 trees, uh, I was tired tired of getting hit and bruised up. So layups and, and mid-range is probably more my game. When did you really start getting recruited? You were a heavily recruited top 150 kid nationally. Yep. When did that start, and who were the schools that were on you the heaviest, the earliest? Um, after, after, like I said, after the ABCD camp, that's kind of when things picked up for me. And I, I'll never forget it. My first letters that I got were from Coach Bray at Notre Dame and Tubby at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting in class, you know, just chilling, or not, I shouldn't say chilling, doing my work. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. We'll edit that. We'll edit that part out, Verdell. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And one of my teammates comes in. He's he was working the athletic office, and he brings me these two letters. And I'm like, you know, what are these? And he's like, man, your recruitment has started, bro. And it was from Notre Dame and from Kentucky, and it kind of just. It kind of, you know, just went went crazy from there. What do those letters say? We're we're interested in you. We want to come watch you play. We want you to come visit us because those aren't actual like scholarship offers yet, right? No, no. It was just more, you know, the what they call feelers or whatever. Uh, the one from Coach Bray is actually a letter that he wrote to, um, and just saying, you know, I saw your ABCD. Keep up the good work. Got our, got our eyes on you. Um, and then the one from Tubby was was kind of similar as well. Um, and then you you know they, you know. Kids don't understand these colleges have a list of a hundred plus kids that they they send out these fillers to. You know what I mean? Um, so it wasn't a scholarship offer, but it was my first piece of uh, recruiting mail, I guess you could say. And that you know that kind of that kind of pushed my my, my drive and motivation to keep on working even even, even more. So put us in your mindset at that time, because I think as fans who have very little idea of what the recruiting process is like i've never been recruited for anything in my life. <laughs> when you get those first two letters because there's all this talk on message boards and stuff about who is the first you know when when midnight strikes of the recruiting period the the contact period the first coach to call the kid is that important was it important to you that coach bray and coach tubby smith reached out to you first even with just these feelers did that put them at the top of your list did you have a school in mind you wanted to go to were you an illinois lean because you grew up in champaign what was your mindset there um so actually no i mean uh I mean, it was exciting. All of it was exciting. I had no idea. Really, my dream school growing up, um, and people don't really know this, I was born in, in, in Long Beach, California. Oh. Um, and then in a move into Illinois after my grandmother passed away. Um, so I was a big UCLA Bruins fan. And so that was my dream school growing up, being a UCLA a Bruin. Um, and then uh, the coach that uh, he, a coach actually from there, ended up recruiting me down the road um, and ended up leaving. But um, it just, it kind of, it just man, motivated me. Um, I was, a, I was an Illinois fan with with um, Coach Self and Deep Brown and all those guys were there. Um, and then Coach Self ended up going to Kansas. Um, and that kind of changed a little, a little uh, the dynamic of things. Um, but I was just excited for the process. I mean, in all honesty, I was probably the first kid in our area to get heavily recruited like this. Um, so I was just. I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to move forward. I was an excited young kid, um, you know, ready to keep on getting more offers and, and letters. So when you do finally get that offer slash letter slash interest from Coach Tom Crean, right? Mm-hmm. Had you, had you heard from Indiana before Tom Crean uh, showed up there? Um, this briefly, you know, got some letters and stuff from Coach Coach Sampson. Um. Coach Crean and Coach Buck, or Coach Tim Buckley, actually recruited me when he was at Iowa. 
Um, so I had a previous relationship with him when he was with Coach uh, Steve Offord over at Iowa. Um, and, and I really, I actually, I love coach Alford and all those guys, but I just wasn't a fan of Iowa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, man, exactly, Iowa. Exactly. <laughs> unless you're and really then, into uh, creative writing, it's not the place or to be. corn I or mean, corn, corn. Yeah. Exactly. but we've got and that at IU too. Of corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, uh, so then they, uh, you know, coach Kareem got the job there. Um, he recruited me at Mar- Marquette. I wasn't, you know, I wanted, I kind of wanted that college experience. Um, you know, the football games and stuff like that. And, and Marquette this couldn't really provide that for me. Um, so, you know, when Coach Kareem got the job at Indiana, they, they called me and was like, hey, man, you know, we got the job here. You know, this is the players we they had. None of the players from before had really quit or left besides uh, EJ and, and, and DJ. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, I'll come take a, take a visit. And, uh, and it kind of just, you know, blossomed from there. So I, I want to just back up for a second. If you're a kid growing up in Bloomington, Indiana, mm-hmm. or really anywhere around Bloomington, Indiana, there is tremendous pressure on you to go to Indiana University if you can play sure. basketball. Tremendous. I mean, you, sure. you, and you played with one in Jordan Hulls, who Definitely. clearly was, and it was a dream for Jordy to play at Indiana if, if the situation was right. Was there any pressure on you to go to Illinois? Oh, man, yes. <laughs> so talk to it us about that was. and how you withstood that. I mean, by the way, I always knew you were smart because you were from Champaign and decided not to go to Illinois. That's all I ever <laughs> needed to know about how smart you were. But, but walk us through that. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, nothing against those guys over there. Um, you know, I, I, I had really grown a, a, a quite a bit of a relationship with Coach Self and those guys before him, uh, Coach Weber. Um, and you know, it was really, that was, you know, that was a school that I was really interested in going to, you know, as a seventh and eighth grader. Um, but you know, when coach Weber came in, they recruited me, um, but they were kind of going through some, you know, during my time, my decision time, they were going through some recruiting issues. Um, you, and you mean they cheated? You mean they cheated? <laughs> no, 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 no. They were just going through some recruiting issues oh, okay, as exactly. far as uh, Illinois was going through recruiting issues as far as, um, you know, just, you know, getting the kind of players they wanted right. and stuff like that. Um, and so it would have been a big issue if they, you know, they felt it would have been a big issue if they uh, really pressed to recruit me and I didn't commit. Um, and so uh, Coach Wayne McClain, rest in peace, um, he, him and my dad were real close friends and we kept in contact. And, you know, they, they, they kind of explained the situation and, you know, they, they kind of, you know, they wanted me to come there without really being hardly rec- uh, recruited. Um and I was a guy that wanted to be recruited. You know, this is the first experience for me. So I wanted to go through the whole visit process. I wanted to go through the whole, you know, getting letters and phone calls, the home visits process. You wanted to um, feel the love even from the hometown exactly. team. Yeah, sure. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I'm and, really uh, glad that you're just I, – I love how honest you're being because I think people forget you were a 16, 17-year-old kid. It's fun. Like, yes. it's fun. And, yes. and, and And you should have fun with it. It's why Ward and I talk about this sometimes – but when I see these kids now, and, and it's even changed since when you were being recruited, oh, man. but the announcements Crazy. that the kids yeah. make, I love it. I, yep. I, I've said this before. If I was being recruited, I'm a Oh, 40, you would be so obnoxious. If I'm a 41-year-old <laughs> man. If they recruited me now, when it came time to make my announcement, 
I would shut down half the city. You, you, would, I would, <laughs> you would start three months out with an Instagram with your top 15 choices. Yeah, and every day. No, 15. I would, I would eliminate one school a day for 100 days. <laughs> That's what I would do. Okay? And then when I announced, I mean, it would be in blimps. It would be everywhere. So anyway, I'm glad that you enjoyed the process. So, no, and I actually got, I got into an argument. And I, I, hate, I hate the whole Twitter beef thing, but I got into an argument with a fan. Um, because, you know, they were saying that, you know, what the kids were doing was ridiculous and they need to focus on just playing and it's, and it's easy to say that, but this is a huge decision for the kid. And we worked our butt since we were five years old, you know, putting sweat, tears and blood into the game while everyone else is playing video games and out the park and, and enjoying our childhood. You know, we had a job early on. And so I felt, you know, that. And I still feel this way that when kids make their decisions, they ought to have some fun with it. This is a big step for them. You know what I mean? This is a, you know, yeah, they graduated high school, but this is an opportunity for most um, kids to get to attend a college. And most of the families, they, you know, don't have any college experience. So it's a, it's a, it's a reward for not just for the kid, but for the families and the community. So I enjoy. I had a press conference myself, and you know, I had a lot of, about three hundred family and friends come out and, and join us. So I, I mean, good for you. I, yeah, I think I think you know people forget um, real quick that you know, like you said, these are kids. They're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year old kids, man. And you can't expect us to think maturely as an adult when we're that age. So you know in I mean? that in that decision that that leads you to get to that, what are what are the big criteria for you? Is it coach Tom Crean, his personality, his vision for the program? How much does Bloomington, the town, the campus, uh, how much does the school and what you might want to study? How how much do those things factor into it or or just even the the history and the hysteria around the Indiana program? What were the deciding factors there? I think a lot of those were factors. I think, um, you know, the biggest thing was the history in Indiana. I mean, you know, it's a blue blood program. You know what I mean? And, and even though we might not have it, have it uh, as a recent championships with other blue bloods, the the culture and the and the fanaticism behind it is still there. You know what I mean? And so I that's, that was one of the selling points. You know, walking in Assembly Hall, seeing those banners up there and walking around campus and seeing the history and the seeing the enthusiasm behind basketball there. That's what every kid's dream is. You know what I mean? You want to go somewhere and, and play in a half-filled gym. You know what I mean? Right. Where fans only cheer you on when you guys are on a 10, 15-game winning streak. You know what I mean? Indiana was just different. Um, so, uh, you know, Coach Green had a big a big impact in that. You know, his his energy and, and what I felt that he could bring and add to my game was, you know, kind of a selling point as well. How much um, did he play into the Dwayne Wade card? That he can develop a kid, a guard, you're a guard. How much did he use that? Um, that's definitely part of the recruiting process. You know what I mean? Not not just him. I mean, even Tubby Smith, he used Rayshon Rondo. You know, as a as a as an example as well. So did, did know, he tell, of... Did Tubby tell you come to Kentucky and I will teach you how not to shoot the basketball? <laughs> Coach Green definitely used the D Wade. I remember him him um, showing me uh, some films of my game. And uh, then showing some of D Wade's game and showing how you know there's there's ways that I can translate some of my finishing and stuff like that to his. Um, and so you know it was definitely part of the recruiting process. And uh, I think not just Coach Cream, but Coach Buckley was a huge impact as well in, in my recruiting coming there. Like I said, I had a, I had a familiarity with him already at, when he recruited me at Iowa. They recruited me at Marquette, so uh, you know it was kind of man, it, it just made sense. It was somewhere 
when I walked on campus, I knew this is what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be, even though I announced it a little bit later. So, Verdell, you're an honest guy. We're vibing good here. <laughs> I, I need to know. Let's, let's remove Indiana University and Tom Crean from this question. Uh-huh. You're going through the recruiting process. You're talking about the history and the tradition. We know all that matters. Right. But there's a dark side to the recruiting process. Oh, yeah. Did anything dirty happen with your recruitment at any school? Uh, no. Uh-uh. Uh, my dad, unfortunately, not unfortunately, fortunately, my dad. <laughs> no, unfortunately, <laughs> I get it. Is a, is a super, you know, uh, Christian, clean-cut guy. Um, and so he nipped that in the butt at the gate. You know, a lot of, you know, there were, I won't say any schools, but there were some people that were, you know, had had other interests and he he nipped it in the bud like you know like, we're not even interested in in this program right now um you know we're we're we're, we're going to do it the right way so but you, you know, could have if if your dad had not been so morally virtuous <laughs> it could have gone a different way i mean yeah definitely i mean that that happens in in recruiting it does it's a dark side i no one wants to talk about um but that's something that's prevalent you know what i mean and and on every level whether it's high d1 or low d1 have you ever heard any stories again not don't have to name names but any of your friends obviously you're in the aau circuit you're playing high-end aau ball any friends that had a story of just something so egregious so dirty that you couldn't (laughs) believe it they've got to have some story (laughs) um no, I mean, you know, most of the guys, you know, especially in the AU circuit, you kind of keep those some of those things close to your chest. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you um, got to put yeah, it close to your chest, like a wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real clip. very close, or, or to, close your chest. to your pocket. Right. I say, okay. You know? All right. Let's um, let, we can move away from the salacious because <laughs> when we mentioned D Wade, I saw something. I believe it was on your your Twitter feed. You did you just post like maybe this was a, a few weeks or months ago? Uh, something like early Derek Rose footage. Oh yeah. Yep. That, yep. that like blew me away watching like the 30 seconds eclipse, uh, whether it was, uh, Derek Rose or anybody else who were, who were players as you were coming up, you know, high school, even getting into college, whose game you really admired and you just loved watching them play. And, and even today, who are some of the, who are some of the players that inspire you? Um, well, growing up, for sure, it was Sean Livingston, obviously, you know, as my cousin, and just being, you know, front seat in that whole process, going to the draft and all those things. He was probably someone I really admired the most. Um, and then closer to my age, um, I, I was a fan of D. Rose. I was, you know, he's an Illinois kid uh, right here in town. And, and, you know, to have that pressure of all of Chicago on your back, you know what I mean, and for him to and, and still perform at the highest level like he was, I mean, it was it was really, truly remarkable. But really, it wasn't him that surprised me the most. It was Eric Gordon. I remember, mm-hmm. I'll never forget watching Eric Gordon play with Derrick Rose with Mean Streets in Vegas. And he just dominated the whole, the whole tournament. And it was, I mean, I'm not a fan. I'm, I don't like to be – you know, be starstruck or fan or fans of, of players that are my age, but during that time, I was a huge fan. <laughs> I was. Awesome. And, and then, really, you know, still, crazy, I'm sure. <laughs> it really was crazy. And and here's this is my little, this is my little dark secret. I grew up not not liking Indiana at all. Ooh. I, wasn't a, I wasn't a huge Indiana basketball fan, to be honest with you guys. Um, but the, what changed everything is when. His freshman year, they came and played at, at Illinois. You mean when those 
I'm going to say it, those assholes from Illinois just tried to beat him up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Came, you know, roughed him up. In the know, in the handshake him. line. They're, Do you remember yeah, the handshake? They're, they're, they're yelling stuff at his parents. They're calling out, you know, and to see him coming. And, you know, I think he ended up hitting the, the, go, the, the uh, go-ahead three-pointer. Um, and just really, man, I, I instantly became an Indiana fan from that moment on. Nice. Um, and that's before Coach Samson got fired. That's before a player left. I was like, no, I want to go to Indiana. Like, you know, the, the jerseys, the, how they were just retro and plain. But I was, I, I just, I fell in love with them. I did. And then, so that's kind of, you know, and I, and then everything started happening with Coach Samson. And then I was like, okay, well, I can't really go there. And so I started looking at Kentucky and Minnesota and other, other places. And then when Coach Crean came to Indiana, I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and t- make this visit and see what it's all about because, you know, that's something I was definitely – so, yeah, Eric Gordon, he, he was he's definitely one of the, the reasons why I became an Indiana fan too. So that is phenomenal. It's amazing how something like that could happen and impact this kid in Champaign. I love it. Definitely. But the end of that year, Samson gets fired. EJ plays one year for Indiana. The end of that year is an unmitigated disaster, and yeah. they fire – Sampson, you know, three quarters of the way through the year, even more. Co- assistant coach Dan Dakich takes over. The team falls apart. They lose in the NCAA tournament first round to Arkansas. They now need to hire a coach. And here comes Tom Crean, which mm-hmm. the fan base was not that enthused about. He was not one of the main names being bandied about, but he had right. success at Marquette. He went to mm-hmm. the Final Four, D Wade, and he seemed clean, which was probably mm-hmm. at the time, honestly the most important thing for hiring the next Indiana coach. But then all hell is breaking loose. Players are leaving. You're reading about guys throwing potted plants in offices. And at the same time, you're being recruited by this guy. Yeah. The fact that Indiana had become such a disaster, how much of that did you know? What were they telling you at the time about it? Were you worried about Indiana not being able to go to the NCAA tournament? Not that it became a real problem for the next few years. (laughs) But I'm just curious how they were communicating to you what was actually happening at the program when it was really imploding. Um, So that that was was definitely one of the the, uh, issues – you know, going in uh, was, you know, all this, all this chaos and stuff like this. But, you know, honestly, when I committed, um, I was being told that the play that, you know, guys were, you know, none of the players were transferring. You know, I knew EJ was probably leaving there and DJ was going to leave. So, you know, it was even a, a conversation about me maybe coming in in red shirt behind Armand, Armand Bassett. You know what right. I mean? I was, I was such a skinny kid and playing in the Big Ten, man, that's a huge jump. You know what I mean? So, there was even a conversation about me maybe red shirting and, and, and getting stronger and bigger and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, you just start hearing, you know, I tried to sign my letter of intent, um, got locked in, then players started dropping. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'll never forget the last player to stay on the team was Jordan Crawford. And my first day on campus, he left. <sighs> And so I was just like, so when I came in, it was a whole different incident or a whole different situation than when I actually arrived. You know what I mean? Um, and so, but you know, I, I was, you know, back to my pops, we were t- I was always t- taught never to quit anything, you know, no matter what the circumstances were. And so, you know, we honored our commitment and, and, and wrote it out. Well, well, did, did the flip side of that for you become, hey, there's real opportunity here instead of potentially redshirting. You're now like I could be the focal point of this team from day one. Yeah, it was it was mixed reactions for sure. You know what I mean? I came from a 
you know, Champagne Central is, you know, we, we we had a winning program going on there, and so I'm used to winning. And, uh, you know, coming in as a, a naive freshman and seeing you know, everyone leave, I had the same mindset, like, man, all right, let them, they, they can go then. We'll, we'll just win together. You know what I mean? That's kind of how all of the freshmen that, that were there had, you know what I mean? And it wasn't until we went to Maui to realize that this is a little bit different level than high school. Well, let's talk about that because I think that for most players that are coming into a major Division One program, let alone a blue blood, but even just a major program, most of those players from high school are coming from just winning programs. Like you said, your high school program was winning AAU. You won a lot. So I would assume that your mindset is, okay, like, I've done nothing but win. We're going to win. It might be tough a little bit, but did you have any thought when you were in practice with your team, you've got a big group of new players, did you have any thought before the exhibition game started of how tough that year was going to be? Uh, A little bit. I did a little bit. I mean, you know, we went – you know, when you're in high school, talent just wins. And then when you get to college, you got to have talent and you got to be in shape and you got to be stronger. You know what I mean? And so those workouts were, were, were uh, you know, eye-opening, you know, just seeing the physicality of, of, of it. And and, uh, and then even still then, you know, we still had a confidence. Like, man, we got this. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to make it work. Is it all we got is us. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, like I said, those, those first two games that we had, a uh, couple games we had, scrimmages and stuff like that, we were still confident, still confident, but it wasn't really until Maui that things, you know what I mean, when you played it, you felt like you were up close, you played for a game, you know, that you saw that, you know, there's a big difference between a freshman in college and a senior in college. Um, that's from the physicality and from the, the um, you know, the IQ of the game. You know, you learn so much from college that, you know, we were just young, naive pups who weren't, who really didn't understand uh, the whole process of the game. So, you know, we, we came in, we came in uh, confident, but left humble. Did, was it a turning point for you to realize how tough the year was going to be when in practice, Coach Crean puts Tijan Job at the front of a 1-3-1 half-court <laughs> zone, and you thought, oh, no, what's happening now? Yeah, that, I mean, that, we really had no big man, you know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, we were, we were hoping that, you know, Tom, Tommy P and, and Tabor and guys like that could hold it down, but we knew that was going to be, you know, kind of our, our, our weaker point for sure. And as your you, these vulnerabilities are, are being exposed through the physicality, through lack of experience, is there is there tension on the team, uh, or do you guys go the other way and immediately just start growing closer, or or, or is it a little bit of both? No, I, and honestly, I think we grew, we grew a lot closer. You know what I mean? It was you know going through the, the crazy practices and conditioning that we was going through and. And and you know this is the toughest the toughness of the of the season. It made us close. It really did. It brought us together, man. So we off the court, on the court, in the locker room, eating, whatever. We were you you saw one of us. You probably saw eight eight others. You know what I mean? Um, so it definitely brought us together, man. Um, and those are definitely you know even though it was a tough time, those are probably the, some of the most memories I cherish the most because it it really helped develop you know me into a, a different a different person. Who were you closest with on that team? Um. So my my freshman year, uh, my roommate was Broderick Lewis, who was a walk on. He ended up leaving. Um. And so me and Jeremiah Rivers actually 
quite a bit. Gr- uh, grew a, a pretty close relationship. Um, and then Corey Barnett was uh, my roommate uh, my sophomore through senior year. So um, those guys we definitely grew a, a close relationship with. But my road dog, my, my, my main homie, was uh, definitely Derek Elston, man. I yes. hosted his visit, uh, and then we just, man, like that was my – that's still one of my best friends, man. We talk to this day all the time. So, so we've been – we, we've been told by several people that Derek was just a clown, that he would say things and do things that were insane. Do you have any funny Derek stories for us that you could share? He's <laughs> you got one. I know you got one. So we go to, I'll never forget. We went to a restaurant, um, and he was just like he, – he, I think it was a chicken sandwich he wanted. And, and so instead of saying, you know, can I just get two chicken sandwiches, he was like, can I get two number fives, um, but I don't want any fries – or any drink. I just want the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so we, the lady looked at him like, so you just want two chicken sandwiches. <laughs> and he was like, no, I want two number fives. No fry. I'm like, Derek, Derek, just be quiet, bro. Yes, he wants two chicken sandwiches. <laughs> that so is see, great. Look, it's not his fault. He's from Tipton, okay? That's, they're raised differently there. Um, so how 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 great is it for you to watch Indiana games and see Derek pop up off the bench? Oh man, I love it, man. It's you know I talk to him about it you know all the time, and actually when he came here to play uh, when they played Illinois, I got to go check a game out and, and see him and stuff. And it's it's really quite remarkable to see you know the opposite side. Like I'm used to seeing him in in, in candy stripes or in a jersey, but to see him you know on the other side of it and making an impact on that side. I mean, I love it, man. I think it's well-deserved. He, you know, the tipping tornado is definitely Mr. Hoosier. If, <laughs> if I had told you in 2008, 2009, that Derek Elston would be the person from that team that was on the coaching staff 10 years later, would you have believed me? I would have not, not even close. <laughs> uh, Let's not, not even gl- close. gloss over the fact that we now have a nickname for Derek, the Tipton Tornado. Was that was that, that, that good. the common nickname back then? That was the thing. Yeah, that was kind of the the the, the nickname uh, on the team for him. You know, we call him we call him we call him Diesel. Um, D S O L. Uh, that was kind of his self-proclaimed nickname that we <laughs> that we we used. Uh, but then you know, to make fun of him. We used to call him Tip, Tipton Tornado. For that sure. is good. So I want to get back into that first year season a little bit because after your first two exhibition games, which you won, yeah. uh, you you start the season if you count those basically at four and two. Mm-hmm. Um, you oh I'm sorry you actually start the the regular season at four and two, yep. and and then the wheels come off. Yep. Twenty of twenty one games are lost. Twenty three of twenty four I think is what it ended up being. Oh, okay. Yep. I had twenty yeah. and twenty-one, one and seventeen in conference. But for, so we, we don't need to. We don't need to. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to. <laughs> we're complaining Dale, about these last couple three seasons, yeah. but what these guys? Well, that's went what through. I'm curious about, though, because look, this last year's Indiana team went through a similar run. I mean, look, the truth is, if you're losing twelve out of thirteen, there's no difference between losing twelve out of thirteen and sixteen out of seventeen. It's like you're just losing. All what, right. did, what did that do to your psyche? Because there's no way ever in your life did you experience being on a team that was losing this much. How yeah. did you keep it together? How did you stay focused and motivated? 
because you man, didn't want to really get into it. Man, really, just a team effort using each other. Because I, mean, I, I won't lie, we were, we were, we were mentally just like, man, what in the world is going <laughs> on? And it didn't make it any easier that the practices were even tougher. You know what I mean? Going, you know, going into the winter break when you know the time restraints aren't quite on uh, about what you can do and how long you're going to practice. Man, we it was it was a it was a, it was a dog day for sure. And, and you know, I I'll never forget that first game we had. I think it was against Michigan, and we should it was a game we should have won, um, and end up end up losing it. And that kind of that was kind of when things that start when it's sideways, you know, people start getting those injuries. You know, we're all freshmen. We're not used to playing that physical of a game and and and, and playing and probably playing that many games either. Um, you know, the the schedule as far as traveling and all that. So guys' minds start breaking down, which led to more mental just, you know, just guys are just out of it. We really were. Um, but then, you know, when school came back in, we try to regroup it together and end up winning a couple games at the end. But you know, it was it was it was super tough. It was super tough, but it took it. It really came from each and every one of the players on that on that team, just you know, creating our brotherhood and it's like, man, we're gonna get through this. So I want to ask you: It's one thing to be recruited by a coach who wants to get you on campus, and it's another thing to be coached by that coach once you get there. Mm-hmm. Tom Crean is a unique individual. For sure. When did you? I'll just say it this way. How long into your tenure in Indiana did you realize he was a crazy person? <laughs> um, probably a couple of days on on campus. <laughs> <laughs> and what makes him so unique? Like, what what was it that you just kind of like opened your eyes? Go, oh my god, what's going on here? I mean, his passion and energy is just it's 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 unreal. It really is. You guys see a version on on TV, but. It's even amped up a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, and not in a negative way. It was just, you know, he's very passionate. And he was very passionate about changing Indiana's program back into, um, you know, a respectable program. You know what I mean? The whole incident with what happened with, you know, with Samson and stuff like that um, kind of tainted Indiana's reputation. And that was his main focus on, okay, you know, this team that we're bringing in, these guys, we're going to do it the Indiana way. You know what I mean? We're not going to, you know, we got to set the standard and, and set the foundation for this, this stuff moving forward. And and he, he explained to us that it wasn't going to be an easy year. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's probably what, some of the reason why, you know, he was as hard as he was on us because he wanted, he saw his vision and he wanted to make sure that we got back there. And, and let's be real, you know, Indiana fans, if we going to, if we lose 15 out of 16 games, they're not going to make it easy for any coach. Um, right. So, you know, I, I think that kind of um, maximized uh, uh, some of his energy that he, he, he put towards us. Did you, um, your first year, did you have a set schedule? Because we know what happened later in Coach Crean's career at Indiana, but I don't know if that started right away. No, not really. Uh, we, you know, he we usually find out the day day of what time our practice or uh, our uh, events were. Um, you know, and that's, I guess that was kind of his way to keep us on our toes and keep us out of trouble. All right, but did it or did it just drive you crazy? Oh, for sure, definitely. I mean, it definitely drives you nuts when you know you don't know how to play in the day because you don't know when practice is. And when it's not, it wasn't like our practice were just a little light practices. You know, we're going for three hours and we're going super hard. So you gotta, we gotta plan your naps, you gotta plan your food, you gotta plan all that in. You know, around the practice time. So in these dog days, you speak of uh, looking for for hope and and looking for hope going 
into your next year, you know, what was coming was a top 10 recruiting class with mm-hmm. Maurice Creek, Jordy Holes, uh, Christian Watford, Derek Elston, the Tipton Tornado. Uh, yes. Don't forget Bobby Capobianco. How could I? Yep. How, how could Capo. I? Um, so, so is that something that you're keeping track of, like the cavalry that, that is coming, you know, in the coming year and knowing, okay, we got, we've got some help on the way and it will get better? Uh, or is it just something you can't even really process that until they show up and they're in practice with you and you see there is now more talent on the floor with you? People forget, you know, me, Nick Williams, Malik uh, Story, and and Tom Pritchard, even Matt Roth. We were guys who were, you know, ranked in our state or ranked top 200 or whatever. So it wasn't like, you know, that class was a bum class coming in. And with our youth and a whole fresh group of guys who are freshmen coming in, we were excited that we were going to be have some more talent coming in. But we were still a little wary about, you know, how they were going to come and perform because we just went through it. You know what I mean? And so it's easy. It's easy. Once you come in as a freshman, you know, your bright eye, bushy tail, it's easy to think that you're going to do big things. But at the end of the day, you still have to lace them up like everyone else. So you go from considering, or at least in the conversation about redshirting your freshman year, <laughs> yep. to starting 25 games, not used to playing at this level, not used to playing this physical, not used to playing this many games. And Verdell, you get stronger as the year goes on. Your last four games, you score 16, 15, and then back-to-back games of 23. It seems like you're really finding your stride. Did something click for you? Do you remember a moment or a game where you thought, oh, I belong here and I can play at a high level here? Um, I think it was uh, – I'm trying to think. I think it's really just, you know, in the Big Ten, I started, I started hitting a little stride. I think I had – I can't remember what game it was. I think it was maybe against Michigan State or some some somebody. Um, and it was a close game. We we competed and I and I played well. And I was like, okay, you know, this is Kalen Lucas I'm playing against. You know what I mean? This is you know Darrell Summers I'm playing against. So these are guys who are you know all Americans or or you know and they're playing for Final Fours and championships. And I'm out here competing. You know what I mean? So then you know I, I figured you know our season was kind of on its way out, but. I always wanted to end the season on a high note. Um, and so that was something that, you know, I was working out and I could feel the game slow down. That was the biggest thing. Everything started to slow down, you know. You know, I come off the ball screens, you know, the the, the openings were a little bit a little bit slower. Um, the gaps opened a little bit longer for me, you know what I mean? So the game just really slowed down and, and my body started to mature. You know, I started getting that strength that I've been working on. I was in better shape, you know what I mean? And so – I really just started hitting my stride at the right time and, and really got more comfortable with the whole Big Ten and how, how uh, high-level D1, D1 was. So does that lead to you in that sophomore year? When you have these talented freshmen coming in and you know now you're starting to stack classes, did you mm-hmm. already feel at this point, and you're going to be named honorable mention all Big Ten, you're going to lead the team in scoring, you're going to be second in assist, start every game your sophomore year. D- did you have to become a leader before you normally would because of where the program was at? and how young the team was? Yeah, I definitely did. And I think I had even gained – I had to get that my freshman year. You know what I mean? Even the upperclassmen that we had, um, you know, there were walk-ons or Jeremiah was – he didn't even play because he was, just, he was still tra- uh, ret- or, uh, sitting out. Um, and so, you know, I had to kind of – was kind of pushed into that role as, you know, one of the better players that we had that freshman year is as a leader. So um, going into my sophomore year, knowing how things were going to go – you know, and knowing the year before that we weren't told anything, you know, because it was a new coach. So Tabor and, and Finkelmeyer, those guys didn't know how it was going to be played out either. 
Um, so, you know, really getting that first year in, it kind of helped me, you know, just kind of teach the younger, the, 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 the new class of how things going to roll. Because, like I said, they came in extremely confident um, and, and they should have been, you know what I mean? They, they were, they were highly talented recruits. Um, and so, you know, I was just kind of just trying to teach them the ropes and help them transition a little bit easier than we did. So two things I want to get to before we get knee deep into your sophomore year. First is basketball related and second isn't. First, the basketball related thing is something happened over the course of many years with Coach Crean being at Indiana that got a bit of a nickname that would happen in the offseason. I, I don't know if you would follow this, but there was a phenomenon known as creening. That Have you heard that term before? Creening? Yes. I've heard of it, but I don't know. What does that what is, what so, is, what mean? What it means is, I think a lot of Indiana fans got very frustrated that it seemed like Tom Crean would throw out scholarship offers willy-nilly many times, mm-hmm. and then the year these kids would commit, and then the year would end, and he would basically say, you're off the team. Mm, yeah. And there were several players in your tenure there that left. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, your recruiting class, I mean, Nick Williams, Malik Story, gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it continued to happen throughout. Do you, when when players like Nick and Malik, who you came in with, left the program, did they confide in you? Did they want to stay? Did Tom Crean ask them to leave? What was that whole process like? And and how did you? These are your friends. You're going through wars together. How did that impact you at all? Um, it was definitely tough. Um, you know, I respected on that that conversation. I'll I'll keep it confidential, but. Um, you know, it was tough, you know, those because especially Malik and Nick, you know, I played against Nick in high school and I remember, you know, me and him, we kicked it off really well in, in the summer. But, you know, it's part of the business. It is. And, you know, I it, the way that it all went down kind of went south. Um, it shouldn't, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It just was, you know, it's part of the game. Now, you, 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 you create friendships, but at the end of the day, each player to do what's best for them and they did what they had to do. So. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was tough. Um, but at the same time, I know we had a great class coming in. So I was just focused on trying to, and whoever was going to be there at the, at the, at the time is trying to get those guys ready. So we can not have the same kind of season we just, we just had. Did you ever consider getting out of there? Did you ever think you might cut bait? Yeah, I did. Actually, I did. Uh, you know, it was definitely something that was on my mind um, quite a bit. Like I said, you know, seeing how, you know, when I first committed and Armand Bassett and all these guys, you know, were there, then to see kind of how the end of the freshman year ended, it was frustrating. It was, it, it was, you know, for any 18, 19 year old, you know, you go through that. Yeah. I'm, I want to leave. I want to go somewhere else. Um, but you know, I, I, I knew the class that was coming in had a lot of talent and a lot of promise. And so I definitely want, you know, wanted to give it another try, um, and talk to my dad and, you know, back to him, he, he kept on telling me, no, you know, we don't quit. That's not what we do. You know what I mean? So, you know, you, you made a commitment to them, so we're going to ride it out, and, and that's what we did. By the way, you finished your freshman year in Big Ten games only, third in the conference in assists. I mean, all things being equal, what you had to deal with your freshman year, you turned in just a stellar freshman season. So now I want to talk about one non-basketball-related thing after your okay. first year, which is – you're in Bloomington, and you're an 18-, 19-year-old kid. Let's talk about what was going on in Bloomington as far as partying, having fun. Where'd what you were, live? Yeah, where'd, where'd you, you live? live? Let's start there. We lived, so about my freshman year, I lived at the, um, oh, man, I forgot the dorms. That's Disco crazy. Briscoe? Uh, no, it wasn't Briscoe. It McNutt? was uh, uh, Harper. 
Harper. Oh, Foster. Foster. Yeah, Foster Harper. Hey, yeah. that's where Foster. you finally I got lived a in Foster, Foster, buddy. You're the, you're the first yeah. one to tell us Foster. Yeah, well, I was in Foster Harper, and then we moved into our apartments. We were on, um, oh, man, it's the apartments right behind Denny's over there on the college. Oh, Dun- Walnut, Dun- Walnut, Walnut Knowles? Not Walnut Knowles. Dunmeadow? No, it was no. Not Varsity Dun- Villas. Dunmeadow. Uh, uh, Varsity Villas, but it's right right next to that too. It was a, uh, yeah, there was another one there. I know something it. courts maybe. Or yeah, Hoosier, Hoosier, Hoosier courts. courts. Hoosier no, courts. it wasn't Hoosier courts. It was right next to Hoosier courts. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm sitting here looking at it. I can't think of the name. It's gonna bother me. Varsity courts. Varsity, Varsity courts. Court, yes. Yeah, Varsity courts. So we end up staying there my sophomore year. And in all honesty, you know, we're 18, 19. We can't go to the to Kilroy. So and school was out, so we're pretty much dead, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are your roommates at these places? My roommate uh, at Varsity Courts is Corey Barnett. Okay. Um, he's my roommate, and our, na- our neighbor was uh, Big Tommy Pritchard and, nice. and Jeremiah Rivers. Yep, so... Uh, what about uh, pizza? What would you order? What's your favorite pizza place in Bloomington? Oh, Mother Bears. Yes. Every yes. time. Wings? Sausage. I get sausage. Oh, uh, wings. You go to Buffalo's. You yes. got to go to Buffalo's for wings. You know, you got to go to the Staples for sure. Yeah, what about a sandwich? You want just a regular sandwich? Where are you going? Now, that's going to be an unpopular opinion because I know some people, you know, there's restaurants there that I should be, I should be naming. Um, but... Actually, no, I'll take that back. I was a big fan of Opie Taylor's. Oh, I oh, loved yeah. Opie Taylor's. Uh, if I wanted to go get a burger, I, I'm going to Opie's. And yes. that was that was definitely, especially when, when Derek and Jordy and those guys came, that was our spot. Was Opie's, Opie's was great. Now, did you ever get the uh, really nice treatment, either when parents came in or, or a nice team dinner at Lil Zagreb's? Yep, yep. It's every time I used to always wanna I used to always wanna host uh players uh uh, uh on recruiting trips because i know where we're, that's where we're gonna go we're gonna go to little zagreb's i was gonna get a nice fat steak and maybe take one home because uh coach Watt at the time was our strength coach and he he pushed for me every time we had those those dinners for me to go so i could put some weight on so <laughs> i definitely i definitely uh was was on the benefit the, the benefiting side of uh, those those meals and and what did you study what was your major uh, so I started off in international business, um, and then I quickly learned how how tiring it, it was or excruciating it was with the practices of Coach Green, um, and quickly decided that probably wasn't going to be the best route. Um, so I ended up with a, a major in kinesiology. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So you, right. could, you could learn how to put more meat on your bones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you get to your sophomore year. You've got this new recruiting class. You've got to have some renewed optimism as as you've had time away from freshman year. You are one of only two players on the team to start all 31 games. Uh, and the season starts much better than the prior year. And I remember this moment uh, really well because it felt like, oh, we turned the corner. And that's when we played Pitt at Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden. You remember that game? Yep, I do. I do. You went off in that game a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what was yeah, that, that like was... playing in the garden? What and and having a great moment in that game? What was that like for you? I mean, I, that's that's one of the uh, experiences I'll never forget. You know, playing at the mecca of basketball in, in Madison Square Garden, and just, and just you know getting an opportunity. You know, a kid from where I come from, you know, Champaign, Illinois. You know. The small town, you know what I mean. Frail kid to play on that stage on ESPN, you know, with, you know, with with the, the announcers and all that. It was just, it was a dream come true. And I, you know, you, you never know if you ha- you will have another opportunity like that again. So I just made the best of it. And I remember we we came in that very confident. We clicked on all cylinders. 
And uh, it was definitely like you like you said, I thought that was our turning point too, and that you know things had changed. But you know, obviously injuries and stuff like that came into play. Well, that became it's funny because there's some parallels between that year and and what just happened uh, this last year for Indiana. Injuries did play a huge part. Christian Watford got injured that year. Yep. Obviously, Maurice Creek was dealing with injuries. Yep. You got banged up a little bit. Um, yep. And you started seven and six that year. You even started three and three in conference. But then again, wheels come off for a bunch of reasons, and you lose twelve of thirteen that year. Was there a bit of a oh no, here we go again, same as last year feeling, or because you went through it, were you able to help these younger guys keep their heads up and keep fighting? A um, mixture of both. Um, it was definitely you know per- for personal reasons. Yeah, it was. It was like man, not again. Come on. Like, you know, when Mo went down, that, that hurt. Because even, you know, he, he him going crazy in a Kentucky game. And, you know, you just saw, okay, the pieces are there. It, we just need to hit, we need to start clicking and forming a little bit a little bit better so we can pick at the right time. Um, but when Mo went out, that kind of took a little bit of wind out of our, out of our sails. And and really, um, you know, when Christian went down, it, 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 a lot of our guys had little nicks and injuries that it just it was hard to overcome, you know. And with us being that young, and even me being still be only a sophomore, you know, I could I could teach them as much as I as I could, but I only had one year of experience, you know what I mean? So it was still a little bit of a of a learning process even in that in, in those stages. Well, and and for so many fans that are distraught at having lost what twelve of thirteen this last season, and injuries again being a huge part of of that scenario even beyond just not having the bodies on the floor for a game or in practice, but a lot of it too is, is confidence and how much of it is physical and how much then does that lead to the psychological, which is like, it's just a lack of confidence. I think it goes hand in hand. You know, when you have those little nagging injuries that, you know, and, and you're playing these top teams and you feel that you can't compete at your highest level, it starts to have an effect on your mental too. You know what I mean? It's like, man, you know, am I, you know, are we gonna be? Are we gonna win a game? Because a, a lot of those games that we lost, you know, even our sophomore year and our freshman year, we were in most of them. You know what I mean? But it was having that experience of finishing the games out that we were still lacking. Um, and I think, you know, looking, you know, looking back at my, at my career, especially my sophomore year, um, you know, I think if I got done all over differently, I would have led differently. You know, my version of leading was okay. I was gonna try to score as much as we need to for us to win, instead of you know. Get scoring and making sure that Christian gets his shots, making sure that, you know, Tommy P gets his shots in his right spot and things like that. And those are things I learned later, but unfortunately we didn't have anyone to teach us those things my first two years. So it was all kind of a learning curve, but the physical and mental, that's that, that goes hand in hand. Well, it's sure. interesting you say you didn't have anybody to teach you. And this comes around to the question again of this most recent team, but you have to have a certain degree of, of, of leadership on the team. It can't come from coaches. Is that fair to yep. say it's got to be from the players? You got to. You got to have someone on the team that can lead from from from, from within. Um, the coach, at the end of the day, he's coach. You know what I mean? So we're you're not gonna you're not gonna exactly respond to coach the same way as you are maybe to Jordy or to to you know Jeremiah Rip or someone like that. You know what I mean? Um, and so we you know that was something that we just we didn't have that experience. You know. You want you need someone that can lead by example, and coaches can't do that. You know what I mean? And so that year, our sophomore year, you know, I try to lead by example as much as I could. You know, Devin Dumas, Jeremiah, we try to lead as much as we could, but it just wasn't quite what we needed to, to compete at the highest level in the Big Ten, especially. 
Was your uh, sophomore year the year where Devin Dumas just stepped on a kid? Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. And he yeah, got yeah. suspended indefinitely. No, 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 no. I think I think it was an elbow. I think it was an elbow. Oh, elbow. Yeah, it, and yeah, it was yeah. nasty. It was yeah, nasty. Yeah, it was an elbow to uh, the Michigan State, one of the Michigan State players. Yeah, so I don't know if you get that, that was yeah. Devin Dumas. I have never seen a player play at Indiana who loved to shoot more than Devin Dumas. <laughs> Maybe oh, Bracey Wright. Bracey Wright. Bracey Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, but, hey, when you're losing 14 out of 15 games, you mean you got to do something. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, so let's go to your junior year. And the two recruits that come in on your junior year, did you have something before the junior year? Well, no, I think it goes into going into junior year. So two new guys joined the team your junior year, one by the name of Will Sheehy and the other mm-hmm. by the name of Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Two, it's really interesting how, the, how Coach Crean built the program back because obviously your first year, you were the first recruiting class and he had to bring in numbers and he got a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, second year, he brings in the Indiana kid with Jordy. He gets the Tipton Tornado, and it's a mm-hmm. it's a very heralded class. But then right. 2010, 2011, he brings in two guys who are unheralded recruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor was playing for a very storied program in high school. Uh, Will was playing for a team in Florida that had Fab Mello on it, I believe. So mm-hmm. good players, but these weren't five-star recruits by any stretch. Uh, no. When they come in... What was your take on both of them? Your first impressions on both Will and Vic when they came in? Uh, freak athletes, <laughs> you know, freak athletes and work ethic. It was second to none. I mean, they came in and worked their butts off. I mean, I remember our first, our first, uh, our first scrimmage. I threw the ball up to Vic one time, I, and you know, you gotta remember, we had no one the previous two years to go catch alley oops besides it's, Tom Pritchard. Little, besides Tom Pritchard, <laughs> and sometimes Tommy, <laughs> and sometimes Tommy. <laughs> Um, and then so, you know, I remember I threw an alley-oop, and it was a terrible pass. It was like, oh, that's out of bounds. Man, this this kid from D.C. goes up and grabs it, and to him slams it. I'm like, oh, my Lord, who is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you ask him to do between lanes crossover, he kicked it out of bounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or shoot a free throw, somebody, you know, brick it. And I thought I thought Will was a very skilled player. I I, I thought he was super athletic, and I was, I was high on Will. I was. Vic, I was I was a little unsure. You know, he he could, he had crazy athleticism, but his jumper was a little streaky, and his, his handles weren't quite there. But he was crazy athletic until this season started, and I saw that his work ethic was crazy. Those crazy practices that we had the first two years, we still had them, you know. But the difference was after that three-hour practice, Vic would go in the gym by himself, you know what I mean, or with the manager, and go and get another hour, hour and a half workout in, and to see that as a freshman. You knew something was gonna be special for him, and that that athleticism and skill was was sooner or later gonna come together. How much did he sing? Oh my goodness! You can get him to be quiet <laughs> from day one as a freshman. Man, he's singing in the locker room. He's singing at, at restaurants. He's singing at parties. He's singing it. If you put it, if you tell him to sing, Vic was gonna sing. <laughs> that is great. And Will, from what I understand, was almost an. Uh, I don't want to say an opposite, but a very no, different No, he was person. the exact opposite. Oh, he was. Okay. Will, Will was laid back. He, he probably wouldn't even know Will was in the room unless he talked to you. You know, real quiet, laid back dude, man. He was super cool guy, man. I, you know, they, they, were, they were they were complete opposites of each other, but they really made it, you know, they made a good, a good pair for sure. Okay. So Eric and I go with Eric's dad and our buddy Nick to the Orleans in Las Vegas to watch you guys mm-hmm. in a tournament. 
Now this yeah. is this is this <laughs> this is your junior year. This is Coach Crean's junior or third third year. Also, uh, Vic and Will are now on the team along with Jordy and Christian. You know, like this is a good group of guys who's starting to been together for a while now and started the season yep. six and zero. Oh. And yep. man, man, did you guys stink it up? <laughs> I mean, we were so depressed, like leaving that, like we, we, it just looked like a mess out on the court, and yeah. and look, and look, that season, look, you you had you won like four more games between freshman and sophomore year, and this year, junior year, you're gonna end up winning like two more, and still only be yeah. like three and fifteen in conference. Again, we go back to the question: Did you feel like we did at any point? Like, man, this is just never gonna happen. Well, even before that even happened, I remember um, that year, you know, that was kind of the first year that, you know, NBA scouts and stuff started coming in. And I had a big summer. I had a really good summer. And, you know, so I had quite a bit of interest. And I'll never forget our first actual practice after Midnight Madness. Um, I, I twisted my ankle real bad. And so I'm out all preseason. Mm. Um, and, I, and you guys don't remember, we lost our – did we – was it, you know, we we won on a lot. We we should have lost our to a D two team that year. I remember and they, that. Up, they Vic, hit a last second shot to Victor. beat us, and they end up calling it back. And didn't Victor have some great ending to that game too? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think I was so. streaming I so. that game on some like college student produced thing, watching that. <laughs> couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of a weird year, man. Like when that's when that happened and. And then um, big Michelle, Mark, uh, big Mark, big uh, Gee, Mark Michelle, the foreign guy, got you know disqualified for playing. It kind of just put like a little bit of a a weird feeling on the program. And even though we started out strong, it just we weren't. It just it, it just felt weird. It still did. You know what I mean? We still didn't have that big man that we've been searching for. You know, I felt that I still felt that was our biggest our biggest component we needed. We needed that true center that we could have battle down there. Um, so we could put Tommy P, at, you know, at his natural position before. Um, and then, you know, when we went out to Vegas, you know, we, you know, guys were a little, I was still a little banged up. Some of the guys were banged up a little bit. Um, and but we still had high, we still had confidence, you know what I mean? Um, and then we played, you know, we just played terrible. We really did. We just we came out of there, laid a goose egg and kind of humbled us a lot, quite a bit. And, and then, you know, we just came back to Indiana and, and try to recruit, man. But that was, you know, that was another year where we had injuries off and on. Big time. Year, you know what I mean? Well, especially um, you. So, you, like you said, you started the year with a sprained ankle, but then yeah. you got banged up throughout the year. You missed some big games. That you missed yeah. some games that there's no doubt that your impact and influence on the game would have would have definitely, I think, won us a couple more games. You were a junior at this point, a lot of Big Ten experience. Um, it is interesting about that Vegas tournament. Uh, War between the two of us, Ward is the much more optimistic guy, and I'm the uh-huh. much more uh, hell is coming guy. <laughs> right. And and Ward going into that tournament, we were so happy. We were in Vegas. We picked up my dad. We had our buddy. Oh, we cheered you guys coming in and out of the hotel. <laughs> yeah, we met you guys at the at the hotel. That's right. My dad was so excited because he gave Tom Crean a high five. Like it was all excitement. <laughs> we walked out of that second game. I think you lost to Colorado in the second game. Yep, yeah. Walked out, and Ward goes, Tom Crean's got to go. I mean, he's, he's got to go. It's over. I mean, you, you've never been that negative. Well, it was just seeing it so up close and personal where it was like, man, Northern Iowa or Northern Illinois? Yeah, Northern Iowa. Yeah, that they looked so good. So yeah. something did happen that, that was a bit of a uh, – I guess a warning shot a little bit about your career that is something I want to get to in your senior year. But 
Mm-hmm. You get hurt, and we play Illinois, a ranked team, at home, mm-hmm. and we beat them. The first time mm-hmm. we've beaten a ranked team in Tom Crean's era, and it really felt like, oh, yeah, there's a light. But you got hurt and didn't get to play in that game. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking at that time, oh, it sucks that Verdell didn't get to be in that game. Because yeah. Tom Crean treated that game like we won the sixth banner. <laughs> I mean, he's giving sure. pizza out to people. <laughs> he's in streaking the, in the parking lot. And and it does. <laughs> and I do remember thinking, like, it just sucks that Verdell couldn't be there for that. But, oh, well, it's just one game. I never think anything of it. We're going to get to the end of your career, which which mirrors that a little bit. But was there any mm-hmm. part of you at that moment that was like, Gee, how, how come I put all this work in and I don't get to play in this game? I think it, that man, the whole season, my whole junior season was like, was like that. Like I said, with the, some of the hype that I had going into my junior year, and for that injury that happened the way it did, and honestly, I, I think I rushed back too soon. You know what I mean? And it it led to other injuries that that plagued me throughout that, throughout that year. And it was definitely one of those things. Like man, like I can't get a break. Like this is supposed to be the year that we go over that hump. And it just, it just, it was frustrating. But I was, ex- I was extremely ecstatic for us to be Illinois. You know what I mean? Yeah. For that to be our first ranked win against a team, and for us to, you know, for it to, you know, to feel like that and be, you know, at home, Big Ten game. It, I was super excited. But I was, it, it pushed me to be even more to, to want to hurt and come back. The other thing that happens in your junior year is the recruitment, the, the, the. The, the center you needed. Yeah, the mega recruitment of mm-hmm. Cody Zeller. And I'm wondering if we've talked to some uh, players that, that were the year younger than you mm-hmm. about when the 2012, quote-unquote, the movement class came in. Eric, what, mm-hmm. what do you call the movement, The Eric? bowel movement. <laughs> um, when they came in, how there were guys that were there, the freshmen the year before and the sophomores the year before, that really took exception to these guys calling themselves the movement and who do these guys think they are? We're here and we're going to show them when they get to campus. The Cody yeah. recruitment was unlike any recruitment that Indiana had had, I mean, in a long time. Since Damon Bailey. Yeah, probably since Damon, more so than Eric Gordon because that one happened so strangely because of Samson. Did that recruitment and Cody coming on for the official visits, did any of that bother you who, you know, you're an upperclassman here? It, did any of the like, oh, here comes the savior stuff, get in the way at all? Absolutely not, because he's absolutely what we needed. You know what I mean? Like I said before, we that our center, a, a, a solid center, is a piece that I felt we we missed my previous three years. And for him to come, man, I was like, better late than never. You know what I mean? And so it was, and even then, you know, we knew we we didn't we didn't put a lot of expectations on him because we knew. You know how the difference of college from high school, and, and in all honesty, he would come to our open gyms, and Tommy and Tom Pritchard would just dominate, like just dominate. And I'm like, man, well, you know, he's he's supposed to be the savior, you know, like what's going on? You know what I mean? Um, but we were super excited to have him because you know any any time you could add a six eleven seven foot kid who can run the floor and catch alley oops and dunk and block shots. That's a huge pickup for any team, you know what I mean? So it wasn't any of that really, you know, for me especially. Uh, I was more excited to have a big man I could throw lobs to. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> uh, Tom Crean did once say that Guy Mark Michel would be playing a long career in the NBA. Oh, man, I, that, that like I said, that was when he went down or couldn't play, that, that hurt. You know did, you mean? Think, still... did you get to see him play in practice before he was ruled ineligible? Oh yeah, I mean, he, he practiced with us quite a bit. You know what I mean? And how was he? Was he that good? 
Yes. Yeah, he's still playing overseas now. Really? I mean, he's skilled. Um, he's dunking it. I mean, he's seven one, probably like a seven five wingspan. Like he, his game was, it was, it took us. We wouldn't have had the troubles we had. Let's just say that. Wow. You know what I mean? um, Although the truth he went is, out, would that have affected getting Cody? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't think so. I think, I think, if anything, it, uh, it would. Uh, I mean, who knows? The way that you know the Gee's game would have translated if he'd have got more minutes, he might not have been there. He was that kind of talent. Wow. Um, so you know. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, and, and you know, it, it is what it is. So, senior year. Cody is there, okay? You mm-hmm. got your big man now. You start off beating Butler, led by Brad Stevens. Yep. But, but, but to me, the most exciting – you know what game I'm going to yeah, talk Ward's about. Yeah, Ward's favorite game, I think, of the last 20 years. I love it because I, I was – Yes. yes I, <laughs> I was at two friends' house who were NC State fans. And they were feeling good about where their team was at. And mm-hmm. I was finally ready to believe. And boy, did you guys deliver. Can you talk about yeah. what it was like going going to North Carolina State and, and winning that game? Man, that gave us chills. Because we kind of felt, okay, you know, this is a different team now. Like, you know, this is a different Hoosiers. We're back to the, to the, to the Hoosiers that we, we had planned on being, you know, when I came in my freshman year. You know what I mean? Um, and for us to fight through that, there's some ups and downs in that game. But for us to go on the road, ACC Big Ten and grind out, went out, man, the way we did, it was, it was, it was huge for us. It, it took a big weight off our shoulders, but it, it really propelled our confidence moving forward to a whole different level. You know what I mean? We're like, okay, we're 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 that caliber team that we can go on the road and win. You know that now that the monkey's off our shoulders. You and, know what I mean? And, and that- really, we knew. Even though we're not supposed to say this, we knew Kentucky was after. You know what I mean? Yes. And so our mindset is like, man, let's go into this thing undefeated and let's square up with them and see what happens. By the way, the other thing about that NC State game that was so cool, I was on a plane and I, I was a JetBlue plane so I could watch live television. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it would like cut out. You know how like if you're on oh. a plane watching TV and it was cutting out in the oh, second torture, half? Huh? Oh my God, I was, <laughs> I was freaking out. I mean, freaking out on the plane. But... Mark Gottfried was the coach of NC State at that time. And there was all this BS like hype around him and what he was building at NC State. And they were going to challenge Duke and North Carolina and be that third team from the ACC. And he was going to restore NC State pride. There was nothing better than Indiana. And and at that time, you guys were getting no love. Like, no. None. You weren't I think ranked. They had us losing that game by like 10 or 15. Yes. Points. No love. And you so. came in and worked them, and it was great. But then all eyes go to Kentucky. Yeah. Yep. All right, Verdell. So <laughs> set it up. Let's just set, set it up, up for us. Uh, what's the, the team's mentality in practice uh, and even in the locker room before going out on the floor for that game? And you've I, played Kentucky three times your first three years. Yep. Yep. What do you think? Just like Ward said, just tell us what you're thinking going into that game. I think it all started after the NC State buzzer went off. You know, that, that on the road back, I mean, our confidence is an all-time high. You know what I mean? We felt, you know, we had a player in Cody Zeller that could challenge uh, Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? We had a player in, in C.Y. that could challenge Terrence Jones. You know what I mean? We felt that we matched up good with them, and we didn't have that fear factor, you know, that we might have had years before. We felt talent-wise we were there, and we felt that our experience was going to give us that edge because they were all freshmen, you know, pretty much. Um, and so, it, man, practice was, was intense. 
guys were getting after it. I mean, it was it was definitely the pre- the preparation leading up to that. Man, we put it we put the work in, watching film. You know, just you know, no no BS, a straight focus. You no know, no off court distractions. Everyone was locked in on the same page, and uh, and then you know we were ready for that battle, and and it turned out to be you know it turned out to be on our favor. So you walk out to Assembly Hall with that crowd going as crazy as I can remember mm-hmm. in the history of Indiana. Yeah, University. describe that atmosphere like right from the get-go of the game. I mean, even classes leading up to the game, you walk around campus and guys are hype, you know what I mean? We're undefeated, you know what I mean? Kentucky's undefeated. Uh, and also the, the hype is just there. It's, you know, it's already, it's already a rivalry game, but, you know, after the three years that we just had, it was just it felt a little bit different in the air this year. You know what I mean? Guys were you know people are a little bit more confident about what, what we could maybe do, um, and I think the players were more confident. And and just to see the hype around around it, it gave us motivation. You know what I mean? I think it made us lock in a little bit more, and it made us a little bit more confident as well. And like you said, when walking up to the forget walking into the gym, walking up to walking up to Assembly Hall and seeing the fans outside, you know. You know, tinning or out there, uh, you know, uh, uh, pre pre gaming and, and all that stuff, just getting ready for the game, man. It was the energy was something like I never felt before. It was you know one of I mean? those. Some, sorry, go ahead. No, it's something I probably still haven't felt in honesty. Well, you know I, I mean, look, that, I've been watching Indiana basketball my whole life. I, I, that atmosphere hasn't existed more than twice. I mean, it, it's just the, everything led up to that game. That your three years that you had been the three years prior. The, the thirst that the Indiana fan base had to return to its mm-hmm. its rightful place. And then it just comes right, you know, headfirst into this game against the arch rival Kentucky, who was everything we weren't and didn't want right. to be. It was incredible. And then the game starts and you could feel the tension in the game. I'm sure you guys felt it because the game started on both sides choppy. It was yeah. it wasn't smooth. Until someone kind of like, like with all things in sports, it seems like somebody's got to psychologically change it. You got to hit the first bucket. Who right, hit, who yeah. hits the first bucket for Indiana in that game? I don't remember to be honest with you. <laughs> it was you. Oh snap! Okay, here we go. You hit about a seventeen-foot shot off of an out-of-bounds play on the left oh, side yep. of the court. Yep, I do remember that. I do remember that. You hit the first shot, which, by the way, not an easy shot. It was like a step inside the three-point line. You're fading to the left a little bit. You drill the shot, and then it just – I remember feeling, okay, we're not going to get shut out. We're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to go. And right. the, the game goes back and forth. It's intense as hell. You guys go up by a good amount in the first half, and then Kentucky cuts the lead right at the end of the first half. But you go into halftime 20 minutes in with the lead against the number one team in the country, undefeated Kentucky. What's halftime like? Man, it was really it was really a, a very focused locker room. Um, you know, guys were confident. We, you know, they we were, you know, we're talking, communicating things that we see. I mean, it was probably the most focused that we've been in my four years there. You know, what I mean, we we felt what we the opportunity we had at hand, and I think that we, you know, we knew that this is a, a huge chance to really make that that leap that we wanted to. Um, and so coaches were locked in. You know, they're they're communicating with, amongst each other. Players are locked in. You know, if Anthony Davis shows this way, you know, slide this way, you know. So it was it was a lot. It was a very locked in a focused atmosphere, and and I think it they definitely carried into the second half. Is there anything that 
you remember specifically, I, I, we're obviously going to get to the last play, but I don't want to get there yet. Is there anything, any moment in the game that you specifically remember something interesting or weird or different happening that just sticks with you or just some moment that is meaningful to you about that game before the last play? Um, I think, uh, I actually think is I think is when Anthony Davis, he got his, maybe his fourth foul. Um, I actually shot a jumper and he, I kicked my leg out and he ran into me and that was his fourth foul. You Reggie uh, Millered him? You Reggie Millered I Reggie him. Miller, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, or James Harden or yes. Kevin, whatever, whatever NBA player today you want to use. Right. Um, but you know, and that was, you know, that was a huge point. Like, you know, most stars don't get that kind of call. You know what I mean? Anthony, they're not going to call out call on Anthony Davis when that, for his fourth foul. You know what I mean? But when that happened, we were like, okay. Okay, this is gonna, this is a this is gonna, this is a fair shot for us. Let's go ahead and finish this thing out. You know what I mean? And and looking back at it now, you know what I mean. Um, there were definitely a lot of plays in there where I messed up. You know what I mean? Or where players messed up. I think because of nerves. But for us to you know to not go back to or not to go back our old ways and just crumble, but to come together and still pull it out, man. I showed I showed huge, huge maturity for from us. All right, so Kentucky's on the free throw line. They are up by one. They've got two free throws. Mm-hmm. Steps to the line, misses the first free throw. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. That's when. That's when. That's when you could feel. You could feel the energy change a little bit in a, in a, in a, in a, in the uh, in, in the gym for sure. So then you, you know. Go then, ahead. Then a timeout. Mm-hmm. What are you, what gets drawn up in the timeout? Uh, not the play we ran. <laughs> it was a. It's supposed to be a play. You know, a play where I came off a screen from Cody, and uh, we had shooters in the corner. I think it was uh, Jordy. Uh, supposed to give it to Jordy for a three. Um, That's what Jordy but, said. Jordy yeah, said yeah. it was supposed to be his shot. It was. It really was. It was supposed to be. A, I was supposed to come off a ball screen from 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 Cody. But Cody was in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Christian Christian told us that Cody always screwed up that play. Man, he was in the wrong place, but it all worked out because they were trying to foul. You know what I mean? And so you can even see on my on my on the on the film, you know, I kind of move my arm out the way a little yes. bit because they were trying to grab me. Um, and then you know, and honestly, also to go, you know, from there, you know, seeing Cody in the wrong spot, seeing guys a little bit discombobulated, I was like, man, what do we do now? So if I. You know, I had big shoulders. I was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and make this, this find my little spot and shoot a shot. You know what I mean? And then, I, and then I'm drilling down, and I hear Christian yelling my name. And I'm like, okay. So I look up at the clock and see, you know, time running down. And just, it was a face pass. And, you know, turn around, gave it to C-Watt, and, and the rest is history. But wait, wait, wait. I, I, there's so much in here to break down. So, well, let's let's <laughs> start, like, at the inbounds of the ball or even pre that and just – Take us through your eyeballs. Like, what do you see and, and hear? And you gave us a, a good dose of that here, but how can you hear somebody calling your name yes. when 17,000-plus people are screaming? Like, just take man, us through I, it moment by moment. So, you know, so we come out of the timeout, man. You know, we, we all come together like, look, you know, we worked too hard, for first and foremost, for us to lose the game the way we did because we were winning the whole game, and they ended up coming back at the very end. Um, and so we like, you know, you know, let's, let's make this happen. So, uh, you know, see what, you know, I, I get open, get free. Uh, Christian passes the ball in. And as soon as I turn around, I just see Cody there. And I'm like, Cody, what are you, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, bro? You're the wrong spot. You know, so I turn around and, and I know, and then I hear Calipari actually yelling foul. 
he's going to foul, foul. And so that's kind of, you know, Cody ended up screening, to, I think it was Teague, and, and got me a little bit, got me free. Um, and then I'm just, I'm looking at the clock and just seeing the time run down. I see Jordy, you know, he, he's being tightly defended. And I think it was Victor or Matt on the other side being tightly defended. Um, and so I was like, you know, all right, you know, let's make a play, V. Um, and then it's coming down. And like you said, I don't know how this happened. You know, Christian's way behind me he's screaming my name. And I, and I just heard him. And all the, the cheers and yelling and stuff that was going on, you know, I, I heard his name and, and decided, you know, instead of shooting him, man, let's go ahead and make this pass. And, and he caught it right in rhythm and knocked it down, man. It was, a, it was a beautiful shot, and the rest is history. It really was. It was it was an exciting time. We've talked to Jordy, and we've talked to Christian, and you are now the third person. We've, and we've actually talked to someone in the crowd, Joey Brunk, who's coming to Indiana next year, was in the okay. crowd at that game. Uh-huh. So we, you're the third person we've talked to who's in the game. Both of them described how it went from total euphoria to yeah. the scariest moment of their lives. Oh my goodness, what? <laughs> Walk us through that. So, you know, after he hits it, I'm kind of just in shock, and I just see Vic jump on Christian, and everyone is rushing Christian. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to rush him too. Uh, <laughs> Miller, uh, uh, <laughs> he fell on the ground, and so when when we, I'm trying to rush towards Christian, I trip over him. <laughs> and I, I think it was like me or like when one of the players, we fall down, and all of a sudden, we just see this wave of of red and white just rush the court and just surround us. And it went from being fun and games to, you know, I can't breathe. It's too crowded. You know, Christian was get he fell down. He was getting crushed. And we're trying to pull players off of him. And it just his parents come out of the stands pulling players off of him. And you know, it was it, it did it, it got scary for a second because you know people were just so excited they they didn't understand that. Yo, you want to crush the guy who just made the shot, <laughs> you know, back up before you kill him. Right. Oh, um, it'd be such a different um, podcast if he'd been killed. <laughs> man, right? Right? So it got scary for a second, and I remember Big Tommy Pritchard just, just tossing guys left and right, like, get off him, get off him, just throwing, you know, things out the way. And then we finally ended up getting Christian up, and then, you know, we celebrated, and, and, then, and the party was on from there. Have you ever been happier than when, when you didn't think you were going to die? Have you ever had a better moment of of just pure happiness? Man, that was I I don't know. That was pure joy right there. It really was. It it was a relief off the shoulders like no other. You know what I mean? It really, especially for us seniors, it was like our little token of gratitude of the three grinding years we, we put before. You know what I mean? Um, and for us to really get over that hump and be the arch rival and the number one team in the, in the country, and it just it really felt like Indiana was back. You know what I mean? And and that feeling, you know, you know, I, I know people got pictures of of us standing up on the scoreboard yep. and looking over that that crowd, man. And it was I can honestly say, in that in that moment, we were just. We were in awe. We were just really just taking in as much as we could of that that moment and just really just embracing it because, you know, we I felt we really deserved it. Coach Knight, uh, when asked uh, in the last 20 years what he thinks like the best moment, the best play that he remembers, most people think it would go to Alf or I'm sorry, Keith Smart hitting the shot in mm-hmm. 1987 to win the title. But that's never mm-hmm. his answer. His answer is always. Daryl Thomas, the power forward on that team who's no longer with us, mm-hmm. Daryl Thomas gets the ball, time running down in that game, and the, the, the game's running out. He's got to take a shot, looks to the basket, and pump fakes, turns around, and tosses it to Keith Smart for Keith Smart to hit the winning shot to win the national championship. 
And Bobby Knight always talked about that play by Daryl Thomas, how smart it was to not get rushed, to not get sped up with all that pressure, and to find the open teammate. I am sure that if he could talk about your play, Bobby Knight would talk about that assist that you made, the pressure that was on you. you ha- and that one was even more so because you had to run the length of the court. For you to have the awareness, the poise... The and, hearing. And, and the selflessness to not make it about you in that moment and force something, to find Christian. I mean, Verdell, it is the greatest assist in the history of Indiana basketball. I'll <laughs> say it. I, I think it's even better than Daryl Thomas's. It was so good. How often do people come up to you to talk to you about that? Well, I appreciate that, man. Um, but, it, uh, you know, we – it gets talked about quite a bit, in honesty. <laughs> uh, the game, you know, that comes on in Big Ten Network, I'll have guys text me or people hit me up and say, you know, the game's on, the game's on. Will you watch um, it? Will you turn it on and watch it? No, I don't. Really, no, I've watched it a couple. Of, I've probably watched it about three or four times. Three man, or but, four, I've watched you know. it three or four times today? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's one of those uh, uber iconic moments in all of college basketball history that you can't avoid it it's it's not like a yeah. part, it's a part of the tapestry so inevitably you're still catching it you know in an intro or outro from a package on a uh, of a highlights show or another game or a tournament game i mean you, right. you, you, i love what coach crean says about it it goes in every time. I <laughs> it mean, does. It you, does. You still get to see it like that, Wait, right? You may not uh, watch. The, go, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, you obviously I've seen you know that play, you know, replayed over and over and over again. It's something I, you know, it's it, it, it never gets old. It really doesn't. You know what I mean? Because like like Coach Green said, it goes in every time. You know what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? You know what um, else doesn't get old? What's up? Tom Crean's reaction. <laughs> oh my goodness! When you that first is, saw that, that might be the funniest. I remember we saw it when we saw it. We started dying laughing. Like <laughs> what face? What were you thinking? Are you upset? Are you happy? Are you mad that Co- Cody was in the wrong place? Like what is going on? Uh, I, but I think he was in a state of shock, like everyone else was. You know what I mean? It was that the way it happened and. And just the switch of momentum and, and the atmosphere is just crazy. You got to think everyone. I mean, let's be real. Ninety-five percent of the of the of, this, of the the gym probably thought we lost. You right. know, after we went down to, you know, we win the whole game. Kentucky comes back. Obviously, the past three years, we started seeping into everyone's mind. And okay, we we were not going to win this game either. And then for it to go in the way it did, and for it just to be pure mayhem. I don't know what Coach Cree was thinking. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> but, but I almost feel like this game might have been a result of the power of positive thinking of an entire fan base of like hundreds of thousands of people. Because as, yeah, we'd all lived through those previous three seasons, but we, we, we all like, you know, through the Butler, through the NC State game, like we all kind of, I think we all kind of felt it. And, and I will say this too, this was the shot where, along with a handful of other moments in everybody's lives, Indiana fans know exactly where they were. And I was yeah. at the the parlor bar on Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles, California, with about 150 other Hoosiers, including <laughs> Eric Gordon, who was playing for the Clippers at the time, and he showed up. And I I didn't get the feeling from anybody in the bar, at least, that, that we thought it was over. I think we all mm. just, like... 
maybe because time and space are all one. Like we all right. really deep down knew it was coming, but when it happened, it was the. I mean, as euphoric as I think any other moment in in Indiana yes. basketball history. And I, I would yeah. just say this, Verdell. I, I was sure we were going to lose. Were you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh when, no. When we mm. blew the lead. When we blew the lead, I was. I was all, and I want to ask you, Verdell, because you talked about that for the fans, the last three years were creeping in for sure for me. I remember it very well. This makes sense for you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) This is the difference between Warren and I here, uh, between Warren and I. Um, But I for sure thought, oh my God, it's just, it's back to that. For you, Verdell, you were one of really only two guys, or just you and Matt, who were Mm -hmm. who were there from the beginning of the of the bad times, really. Did that ever enter your mind as the lead dissipated during those timeouts? Did that ever seep into your thoughts? Oh no! Oh no! Uh, we, I was, I was, I had, we were extremely confident. Like I said before, as a unit, even when they made their comeback, you know what I mean. The game, we, I mean, Coach Crean's always preaching it. It's a game of runs, you know. It's about who ends with the last run, um, and you know, we know the Kentucky went on a crazy run to finish the game, and. You know, we were hoping, you know, to still win and still get into it. And I don't think it really – I don't think any kind of doubt really creeped in at all, in all, in all honesty. It really didn't. It didn't at all. I, we Even at the very last second, we were like, look, man, God's going to pull something out of the hat for us because there's no way that we've been through all of this just to lose like this, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, for the way that it ended it, the way it did, it, it was magical. So to be an Indiana basketball player in Bloomington, you're a rock star. Now, when you have three really bad years, you're much yeah. less of a rock star. Right. But now you're undefeated. Yeah, yeah you were kind of like a rock star like a few years ago, and then now you're touring casinos. Right. <laughs> but now you're undefeated. You're going to get ranked. You just beat Kentucky. What is your life like on Bloomington's campus, on IU's campus, after that game? Oh my land! It, it changed quite a bit. It did. Uh, I remember right, it, right after the game. You know, I always went to dinner with my parents. They came to the game, and we went to Fridays. And I remember walking into Fridays and fans just coming up left and right, taking pictures. You know, wanting autographs, congratulating us. Just, I think, you know, now that I'm out of college, and I can say that I someone even paid for a meal, maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, it was just, it was unreal, man. The, just the, the, you know, I think it, it was. This that win was as much for us as it was for the Indiana fan base too. You yes. know what I mean? Because even through those three struggling years, our attendance was still was still you know in the upper half of the of the Big Ten. You know what I mean? And that and so that you know it, that win was for everybody and and it it changed quite a bit. You know, we had a whole week until we played Notre Dame the following weekend to kind of celebrate and, and relish in it, and and we did, man. Going to class, you know people coming up to you in class when you're walking it was just everything changed and you really got to see what it meant to be a hoosier in indiana all right verdell what about girls yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. come on yeah. that had to have yeah. changed a little bit there yep that was uh yep <laughs> <laughs> and not just from not just from iu but from the state of indiana yeah you know what i mean it, everything that's kind of you know, that's when Facebook really just started, you know, hitting the way it, it, it was. A lot, lot of friend requests from the ladies. What? I'm talking about like 100 plus of friend requests, you know what I mean? And, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time either. So oh. it was, 
it was it was it got it got crazy. It did, but I mean, <laughs> it was even crazier for Christian. You know what I mean? But yeah. luckily, he had a girlfriend there at the time to keep him in check. <laughs> yeah, sure he did. Okay, whatever. <laughs> All right. So listen, I don't want to. Uh, uh, we're taking up a lot of your time. Uh, I, I, we know what happened that year. You guys definitely turned the corner. You competed really well in the Big Ten. Uh, you get to the end of the year. We're going to the NCAA tournament. I, Ward, unless you had something before, I wanted to get to Selection Sunday. Uh, well, no, I just, you know, to sort of sum it up, it's, it's like you guys ended up losing to number 16, Michigan State, okay, but then but then you beat number two, Ohio State, and you beat number 16, Michigan, okay? But then but then you lose five of seven, okay? Yeah. And, and, and was there a point there where you're like, oh, no, oh, no, the wheels are coming off, it's happening again, and everything we've worked so hard for is going to fall apart? Um. I think a little bit. I think a little bit had to do once again. You know, some, our guys, some of our guys were injured. You know what I mean? It, it, we we kept on battling through injuries, um, but I think our our confidence was different. You know, we knew it. You know, after beating Kentucky, after beating Ohio State, and, and you know, and being teams like that, you know, we had a we 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 kind of refocused. You know what I mean? We kind of said back, okay, listen, we ain't we're not where we we want to be. Yes, we gotta remain hungry. You know what I mean? I saw we we kind of we got kind of complacent for a second. Um, I think we were ranked what number top ten in the country or something yep. like that. And we're just you know we're this is all new for us. So we felt you know we can walk into a place like Nebraska and beat a uh, beat Nebraska and they end up beating us. You know what I mean? Um, and so that little stretch it really it really humbled us and kind of had us refocus and uh, helped us to really you know finish out the year strong the way we did. Well, and and that that would be my last comment on the year. You won six of your last seven then including beating Purdue twice. Mm-hmm. And you'd never mm-hmm. beaten Purdue before. And now you've beat them twice in a month. How good did that feel? Oh, it felt good. It felt real good. <laughs> I can't even stand Purdue. Yes, um, yes. But, uh, <laughs> Wait, Verdell, who do you and, hate and, more, and Purdue or Kentucky? Who do you hate more? Purdue, man. All right, I'm good. Go fan. for it. Tell us about that game. <laughs> um Actually, Lewis Jackson, he is a he was from Illinois from Decatur down the street, so he was an arch time or arch rival growing up as well. <laughs> we actually he was they were undefeated our senior year in high school. We beat them to go uh, to further uh, ourselves into, into state. Um, so to beat him on my senior night is kind of it was it was kind of a sweet moment for sure. So then before I get to selection Sunday, so you get to the Big Ten tournament, you're playing Penn State. This is your senior year. At this point in the season, you know we're going to the NCAA tournament. It's the thing everybody pray, plays for. Mm-hmm. You you and Matt have been through the absolute worst of the worst, and you have persevered, and many pay- players have come, and many players have gone, and you're there. And then you blow out your ACL in that game. Yep. My heart sunk watching that <sighs> game, thinking about you and what you must have been going through mentally because of all of that and knowing your season's over. What, what can you put me in your mindset a little bit at that time? Yeah, that was, that was definitely um, probably the toughest moment of my career for sure. Um, you know, just, it, it, it was almost like, why, like, why, like what, why, you know what I mean? I, I put the work in, I stayed when I could have transferred. I, you know, I, you know, 
limited my shots for other guys. You know, why is this happening at this moment? Like the first, I never got past the first game of the Big Ten tournament, and for it to happen this way, why? And it was it was heartbreaking. And I knew as soon as it happened, I knew it wasn't something that was that was good. You know what I mean? I I've had like I said, we had injuries before, but this just felt different, man. And and it was it was heartbreaking. Coach Green, he. You know, he tried to calm me down, but I was I was on the floor. I was it was I was just, I was in I was in tears. I was bawling, man. Cause I knew that I wouldn't have had a chance to to continue playing the way I wanted to. Um, as far as college, um, and that the opportunity was taken away. It was just it, it felt unfair. It was it was it, it hurt. It was frustrating. It was I had so many emotions going on, man. And those next forty, really the next week, it was just tough. Like even the selection Sunday, as much as happy as I was for our guys, man. I wanted to play with them so bad, and, and, and it's just it was a tough moment. It really was. And then a few days later, Selection Sunday. Yep. Did you – was that bittersweet? Were you able to enjoy that at all? You were such a big part of that team and bringing the program back. You are a big reason why we made the tournament, but obviously you weren't going to play in it. What was that day like for you? It was it was a sweet. I, I can't say it was bitter at all. It was a sweet feeling, man. I was because it it wasn't just me that made this journey. It was Coach Green. It was Matt. It was assistant coaches. It was you know Big Tommy P. The walk ons like this is you know you know what happened to me was unfortunate, but this was a victory for all of us. This was the you know at that time we thought it was to be the you know this is the major turning point for the Indiana program and and so it wasn't a bitter feeling at all. I think. It really kicked in when we actually went to went on the road, and you know I kind of dress up, I kind of shoot around with the guys, I kind of do any of those things. That's when it really hit home that yo, you know your 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 college career is over, and that and it and that was tough. Right. I I want to just kick to the future a little bit because you said something that you really thought that that was going to be the turning point for Indiana University basketball. And clearly, the next season, you you graduate and and. Indiana has an amazing year, number one seed, number one team in the country for most of the year, but loses in the Sweet 16. And then the next several years had ups and more downs. I, I guess for somebody who you have to know Coach Crean as well as anybody, and you know the inner workings of that program, why do you think it wasn't the permanent turning point for Indiana University? What happened? If you could, I know that's a complicated question to ask, but as you watch from afar and know what it's like being in there. Why didn't it stick? Man, uh, that's a great question. You know, that's, I thought for sure, you know, the following year after what we, we did the, the previous year, that that was going to be a Final Four team, you know what I mean? Bring all the guys back, all the main players back. Um, and then, you know, adding a, a, a NBA caliber point guard with Yogi and, you know, the, the, that class with all, the, with all the hype, I thought, you know, it was going to be a huge year. I, I, I really don't know. I, I have that, that's something that, that still that actually stumps me as well. Because um, the talent, I thought, I thought the talent that was being recruited in, you know, you, we've had multiple NBA players, you know, since my, my, my tenure there. And so I, I really don't know. I, I, can't, I can't put a finger on it. That's something that, you know, you'd ask the coaches or so, or or someone else. I, I really don't know. This may be an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because we're not journalists, so we can ask unfair questions. <laughs> Is it fair to say that Tom Crean just wasn't the guy that was going to be able to do it long term? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think I think if we're going to be honest about um. 
you know, the culture and the fan base there that no one besides Coach Knight is going to be, you know, the best option for Indiana mm-hmm. until someone comes in and wins a championship. You know what I mean? You had, you know, uh, you had coaches before, you know, before Coach Green uh, have have winning seasons and and go far in a tournament. They st- they still weren't considered, you know, to be the right the right fit. So um, I, I just think, you know, we have to we the Indiana program has to be patient. I know I know it's I know it's hard. I, know, I don't <laughs> want to say be patient. That's not the right word that you use, but. You know, fully invest into a coach. You know what I mean. Every, you know, I think even with 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 Coach Miller, you know, there was even and Coach Green, there was mixed feelings about that, that hire. Instead of you know, everyone is kind of being on board and supporting who who who's at the helm at the current time. Um, but you know, I thought Coach Green. I, I I thought while I was there, especially my senior year and the following year, that Coach Green was doing. He had built Indiana to what it. Indiana wanted it to be, you know what I mean. I thought that they were going to continually be that contender that they were uh, my, the year after after I left. You know what I mean. Um, but you know, things happen, injuries happen, players leave, players don't develop in the way they, that, that they should have. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of different things go into it. Um, but you know, it's part of the game. It's part of the business. Well. Looking at that, and I mean, I I think we can all with Coach Crean. It was like nine years, right? And yeah, and yep. from those first three years where we all suffered together to the watch shot, where it's like, oh, okay, we can all breathe yep. again and and have pride again to what happened the next year. And I feel like you should be a lot like John Laskowski, who was on the 74-75 team that went undefeated until the very end with the Scott May injury. Like, you helped, you were such a big part of getting Indiana back to the team that then the following season would be the number one team in the country for most of the year. And mm-hmm. and that is so much a credit to the work you put in. Um, and, and so I think we'll always be grateful that that was the last great Indiana team, right? Now we're entering into year three of Archie Miller and what is your opinion on what he's done so far and how much time do we really need to give him because you were there for three horrible seasons before it started to get good right but but Eric would argue that coach uh, Miller entered into a lot more favorable situation than you and coach Crean did yeah I it was his this situation was different than coach Crean's you know what I mean and, and like you said I think um I think this year is going to be a big year for him. You know, you've you, you've had a chance to kind of instill your culture, instill what you kind of want going moving forward. Um, so, you know, I think this year and next year is going to be a big year for him uh, as far as, you know, getting it done and changing that culture to the way the Indiana expects it. You know what I mean? It's time for, you know, we, you know, getting uh, uh, Romeo and and having Juwan there this year, I thought they had a great opportunity to do big things, and I was super excited the way they started off. And but you know, at the end of the day, basketball is an unforgiving sport, and injuries happen this year too. You know what I mean? And and that that plagued Romeo and some other guys. Estimate the um, the level of competition in the Big Ten. You know, you have you know. NBA caliber coaches who are preparing for you, you know what I mean? Um, who are, you know, who are, who are also recruiting McDonald's All-Americans and top, top recruits. So, you know, I think that Archie has gotten, I think he's going to adjust it now to the Big Ten style, to what he needs to do. And um, I think he's going to have a big year this year. I really do. I'm excited to see him. Um, I, You know, I'm excited to see the development and, and, and the growth. Um, I know on paper, you know, we don't have the recruits or the players that that Duke might have, North Carolina have, but 
let's be honest, when has Indiana really had a team full of McDonald's All-Americans? You know what I mean? Right. It's a culture and a mindset that you have to buy into when you become a Hoosier. And I think if, that, if the team this year does that, man, they're going to be okay. Verdell, what is your relationship with the program? Do you know Archie? Have you been able to spend any time there? I haven't. I haven't. You know, with, with, uh, playing overseas the past, uh, you know, five, six years has been this, you know, it's been, it's been tough to get back to IU, but now that I'm retired, uh, I've had a chance to to um to, cut, to check a couple games out, but I haven't really had a chance to, you know, sit down and talk to Archie or nothing like that. But, um, you know, Tim Garl, that's my guy still. You know, Dr. Rink and, and Derek Elston and all those guys, we still keep in touch. Do you, if you're around, would you go back to Bloomington this upcoming season to see a game? Oh, for sure, definitely, definitely, man. I'm a, I'm a. Even though I'm back in in old uh, Illini country, I'm yeah. still a Hoosier at heart, man. Well, so. we're doing, uh, we're gonna put on a Hoosier hysterics event in Bloomington around a weekend game in December, and we would be honored if you could, uh, if the schedule works for you to make it out for that. It would be amazing, man. I would love, I'd love to be there. Let's definitely keep in touch so we can make that happen. Awesome, Verdell. I, I just gotta, as we wrap up here, I just want to say something. You know, you mentioned how in your first three years, the attendance was still really good and you were playing in front of 16,000, 17,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I remember those years very well. I watched every single game that you played in your Indiana University career. And those first three years, even with the Orleans situation that Ward mentioned, and as negative as I can be, (laughs) I loved watching all three of those years and, of course, your senior year. Because there was never one game where I didn't think you guys were putting it all on the court. You were outmanned. You were outgunned. You had injuries. You still were dealing with recruiting violations. And so we didn't have the same number of recruiting visits and all that. What you guys put out there, while it may not have been pretty basketball, it Mm -hmm. sure as hell was hard-fought basketball. Mm -hmm. and. I think Indiana fans can look back on the last several years and look at teams that we didn't always think were playing as hard as they could. But your legacy, Verdell, besides the greatest assist in the history of Indiana basketball, is that you came in in the worst of times. You never gave up. You fought your ass off. I, as a fan, I know Ward, too, appreciates that more than you know. And I said it at the beginning that I do think you're one of the most overlooked and undervalued players in the history of Indiana basketball. I hope that changes. I hope this podcast in a little bit of a way lets you know how much we do value what you did for Indiana because your legacy is one that is hard to live up to because of how hard you played and how you carried yourself. And it's been a joy to talk to you. Well, man, hey, guys, I appreciate that, man. And, and, and you know, I think – I think it, uh, you know, my my tenure there is a testament to the to the got to the generations before us. You know what I mean? And that's that's why we played so hard because we understood we we finally Coach Cream pounded into us. You know what it means to be a Hoosier, as well as you know ex guys coming back and talking to us. So I mean, my you know if I could do it all over again, I'd do the exact same thing. You awesome. know, ACL, ACL and all, everything was a learning experience, um, and it was it was definitely for the the some of the best years of my life for sure. Verdell, is there a website that you can point people to for Fort Suey if they want to get more information and maybe make a contribution to help you in your cause there? Yeah, definitely. So right now, actually, is under is under construction, but it be it says fortsuey.com, f t s o o y dot com, and we also have a Instagram, uh, the Fort Suey Foundation, as well as on Facebook. Awesome. It's uh, you're doing God's work there. It's really amazing what you're doing. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. We hope to see you in a few months at the end of uh, 2019 for our event. 
and uh, we just wish you nothing but the best, Riddell. Man, I appreciate, man. Hey, send some of that sun from California this way. We'll try. Although we want to keep it. We want to keep it. <laughs> Thanks, Riddell. Take care, man. All right, no problem. Thank you. I love the guy. I can tell. It's very sweet. <laughs> That's so condescending. <laughs> it's not. No, it's uh, sincere. No, I, I think the it's... The guy fought through... I mean, that was shit those three years. It's true. It's true. And it wasn't his fault. I mean, you, you heard him. I didn't realize it. He was going to redshirt. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, to, to look at... Somebody had to play, right? Somebody yes. had to get out on the court. Kyle Tabor played a lot. And, and the... F- <laughs> I mean, he did. We had walk-ons playing. Daniel Moore wasn't he part of those teams? Uh, and that and that is the thing. Here is a guy who was recruited by Tubby Smith yeah. and 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 Bill Self, and it's not like he didn't have other options. And he went on to have a pro career along with being a top ten assist guy at Indiana. So the fact that it was somebody who had the the talent um, and the dedication to make it from the very worst of times to arguably the very best moment in Indiana basketball history not related to winning a national championship. Right. Uh, what a testament and what a, a career. You know, you started quoting Hamilton there for a minute. I did? Yeah, you said you're out, outmanned, outgunned. I thought Outnumbered, yeah, outgunned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's some... true. It's true. You, you were saying that, and I was like, man, yeah, that guy really uh, took us from, from the darkest storm to the brightest. And, and didn't and, leave. And, you know, could have left. Many did. He could have. He could have left. And and you know, say what you will about Crean didn't get us all the way back. But look, it's so much better than those first three years. Even the worst uh, of Crean years after that, and Archie years, you know, so far are so much better than those first three no, years. No, Tom deserves credit for making the program nationally. Na- I hate saying relevant because well, we were always relevant. Solidly. Middle of the pack. Well, no, but because we were terrible, we were one of the we were, we were our, one of the worst teams in college basketball. Yes, we were ranked in the three hundred for three for three years. We yeah. were honestly terrible, not just terrible in relation to Indiana's history, straight up objectively terrible. terrible. And then you know, and we then got, three Sweet Sixteens, two yeah. Big Ten championships, number one team in the country, the, number one seed. He deserves a lot of credit. He just couldn't be the guy to sustain it. I mean, there, there's no other way to say it. Well, and we, you and I have said this Unless before, everything broke right. Right. Which it doesn't. Yeah, and it doesn't, and that was the thing. Like, the injuries with OG and, and with— I think that's kind of something that we—that's that, the truth, right? That there's probably 30 coaches out there, maybe more, that if everything breaks right, you can be great. Yeah, but after, like— nine seasons right that's enough of a sample size to be like you're not going to be the guy who has us contending for a final four most years no that, but that right which is what which yes. is what we as what as, we want we've won five national championships as you know most of them before we were born but okay if that's no, but we went to the final four in 73 75 was the best team in the country and the injury prevented us from getting there went to the final four in 76 went to the final four in 81 went to an 87 went to a in 92 yes you know like we were there every four or five years and look okay how many programs have had two coaches that good yeah i I can't off the top of my head not many unc yeah uh kentucky yeah sure um i mean kentucky's had several 
Uh, Adolph Rupp, Rick uh, Pitino, and and Calabari. Yeah, yeah. Like, how many Final Fours did they get to with Pitino, though? Well, they he won just a championship. He, he just wasn't there that long. But the but the point they were being, really good. it's it's sort of like even even having you know two all time great UCLA. quarterbacks or something like that. UCLA was only one though, really. No, Holland went to three Final Fours in a row, but never won a championship. Right, right, right. So Herrick won a championship. Uh, the point being, okay, so we as a fan base, if we don't expect to be a top ten team most years a legitimate contender to get to the final four most years, then we won't be right. You know, and and then we could, we could have somebody like coach Crean get us back to like, ah, sometimes we're there. And occasionally we might actually threaten, you know, every few years to get to a national championship, but then you don't really end up winning them because you kind of have to be a threat almost every year for everything to break the right way, to not get injured, to get the right matchups in the tournament, to win. The reason that Coach K and Coach Williams win multiple national championships is because pretty much every year, and now why Coach Bennett finally got one is because pretty much every year they could. Yeah, or one down year. I mean, the way that Coach K is doing it, it's it's all one and dones now. So it's, But you're right. I, I just think I've never really thought about it like there's a big group of coaches that could take any program, any good program, and if it all broke right, meaning you don't get injured, the schedule favors you, you know, um, the kid that's deciding between you and one other team picks you. I mean, it's so fickle. Verdell went to Indiana in some part because he loved Eric Gordon. Yeah. Like that, but you just don't know how that stuff's going to play out. So there's a bunch of coaches that could take a program that if everything broke right, they could probably go to the Final Four. There's a very small group of coaches that when everything doesn't break right can still keep you propped up at that elite level. And that's Coach K and Bennett and Self and Williams you know, and Coach Crean wasn't that. Coach Crean was a guy that when everything broke right, he could get us really far, probably. But it didn't break right in two in, it didn't break right in two thousand and thirteen because we ran into Syracuse. And it didn't break right Thomas Bryant's uh sophomore, sophomore year, year because OG got injured and Robert Johnson had an ankle and James Blackman Jr. got injured. So you need the coaches that can build that bedrock program that when the things go wrong, you and I used to talk about this too, that if Coach K or any of those great coaches, if one guy gets injured, it doesn't debilitate the team. They just pick up and move on. We weren't that team. Right. And and look, even in arguably the greatest Indiana team in history, something broke wrong, Scott May's arm, and they didn't win the national championship. No, but They went to the Elite Eight. Yeah. but And, and Alan Henderson, by the way. Yeah, there you didn't go. Didn't break right, but he gets to the Elite Eight. Well, and that's like, why, and that's why Bobby Knight maybe has three national championships instead of five. Yeah, exactly. And why Coach K has five yeah. instead of nine. Yeah, I mean everything doesn't break right all the time. He went up against AJ Moye one year. I and- mean, look, Coach K could have lost. Duke could have lost any of the what two games before they lost this year in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. It all has to break right, but you have to have the coach that when it doesn't break right, you're still really good. And Coach Crean proved over nine years that he wasn't that. Right. And but now we've got a new guy, and we hope he is the guy. We don't know yet. Nobody does. I love talking to Verdell. That was really fun. Good guy. He's doing good work with that Fort Suey Foundation. Do you think? Do you think Wally, your father, really enjoyed that one? I don't want to get into it. <laughs> we'll see. My dad doesn't like turnovers. That's all I'm going to say. He never likes a turnover. 
So uh, really fun. Follow us at Hoosier Hysterics on Twitter. No uh, vowels and hysterics. Email us at HoosierHysterics at gmail.com. We'll have more information on the Hoosier Hysterics event that we're planning for December. So stay tuned. We hope to get as many of you there as possible. And uh, really fun. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.